Okay, we are live. We are live. I hope you got your big girl panties on. This is episode 202 of the Who Move My Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Hank Strange. And tonight we have a very special, actually, we have two very special guests with us. I want to be more special. The the, the more special, the man, the myth, the legend, (laughs) Chuck Woolery. That must be Mark Young. (laughs) We refer to him as special, special literer. Special er. I was going to say special Ed. (laughs) I don't know. That's that's probably not going to be appropriate. Surge of thrill when you wipe out your best friend. I know the feeling. (laughs) If uh, if anyone is joining us, hoping for like political seriousness, (laughs) yes, or any kind of seriousness at all, you're in big trouble. But we do have Chuck Woolery here tonight. There he goes. Check it out. He's I do a, have my serious handsome. face on tonight, so I may get serious. You never yeah, know. He's a handsome, handsome man. He is, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and we also have Mr. Mark Young, who is uh, Chuck's co-host on the Blunt Truth. Blunt Force Truth. Blunt Force Truth, excuse me. Blunt, I'm already messing up. Blunt Force Truth podcast. Mark, how are you doing? I am doing uh, just terrific. I've been looking forward to this. We're going to just have fun here and just do crazy, stupid stuff. Absolutely. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And and, the, and he's the brilliant one. And <laughs> oh boy! If you guys, I I only wish you guys could see what we were like, see and listen to what we were talking about behind the scenes. We've also got Babyface P, who was, uh, you know, Babyface like, P. Yeah, he's Babyface P. There he goes. He's going to keep us all in line. Who has already failed us on the Lee Major problem. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you better you better pull up things really fast, Babyface P. Um, Don't let me down. So I'm just I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm totally Chuck, uh, totally star, starstruck. Oh, um, don't be, please. <laughs> I, I am a huge fan of Scrubs, and with the episode you're on. Oh, my God. I, favorite, so. I remember my son, my son, who's now 28, uh, about four or five years, called me one day, and he said, Dad. I had no idea you were scrubs, man. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing. We also joining us. Here he goes. Another man, a myth, a legend. There he goes. Me? Walter Keller, Safety Harbor Firearms. <laughs> Me? Joining us with the AK. There he goes. So, Walter, you and I both are man myths and legends. <laughs> what kind of deal is that? What uh, have you done? <laughs> uh, uh, well, you know, a lot of legends going on there. Yeah, I got a le- yeah. legend in our own minds, yes. I'm, I'm on the ledge. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Chuck's like, you know, he's um, a... I know you did game shows. Were you also a comedian? No, no, I never was. At least some people thought that I was, but I never was. The part I, that- I just kind of see life. You know, Mark's like this, too. He and I have something in common. He's a little more, more oblique than I am, but I have kind of a weird sense of humor. I see things that are funny in odd places. He sees <laughs> things that are funny in really, really odd places. Okay. <laughs> long, great. Yeah, I, awesome. I read your bio, Chuck. Um and I had no clue you were a musician. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people who are like were in my group and also producers in Nashville that I had no idea I was a musician either. <laughs> and, there were, there were, and that was during his musical career. <laughs> exactly. that people didn't know that. Yes. Well, I mean, whatever it took, you, you, you got it done, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, I had a couple of hits, so, you know, yeah. got yeah, lucky twice. Yeah. And just in case anyone wants to know, because I know there's going to be some people out there like, how dare you call Chuck Woolery Chuck? 
we did get licensed. I asked. I asked. I've never been called anything else. I mean, other than, well, there are a couple of other things. We won't go into that. Well, in your music career, as I was talking about before, you were called C. Wooly. I've heard you say that. <laughs> I was not called C. Now, wait a minute. During your rapping period. Yeah, I did have yes. a rapping period. At age 63, I did have a rap period. <laughs> That's During right. your rapping period, but you didn't go as C. Wooly. You went as the big C. Yeah, right. Uh, oh, Check it out, okay. C.W. Well, I heard you talking about, you know, I was looking at one of the videos that you did where you were talking about ice tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you, yeah. Yeah. We were both rappers. It was a little more famous than <laughs> yeah. I was. Yeah. <laughs> it's also your spiritual guru too. My spiritual guru. Yes. Okay. You, you and ice tea, you guys go to the range and stuff like that. And well, you no, you know, ice tea came out and he, he was talking about the uh, second amendment and he was setting somebody straight saying, look, the second amendment's about tyranny. And exactly so right. we use that and, uh, you know, and he's right. It's exactly what it's about. Right. Hells yeah. Hells yeah. I think that's the thing I always tell people. You, you don't have anything in life you cannot defend. Right. Yeah. You know, so if you think you're free or whatever else you have, you think you have this car, this house, or even the, your family members that you care about, if you can't defend them, you don't really have them, you know. Well, you know, the interesting thing about it is all this stuff going on in London, of course, there are no guns allowed in London. Only <laughs> criminals have them. We all know that. And the police have a few that are scattered throughout, you know, their police force. The bobbies, most of them just have nightsticks. But here now, now you got all these people who've come in from uh, the Middle East and they're stabbing everybody. Hello. And it's like, you know, those out of control knives. I don't know what they're going to do. It's it must yeah. be something in the tea. It can't be the knives and it can't but be. Chuck. You're being you're being so uncivilized. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Knives are so much more civilized yes. than uh, guns. Really? <laughs> yeah, you have to get I don't like knives. You got to get close. <laughs> yeah, let's do let's see across the panel here. If you had to get one of these things, would you rather be stabbed to death or shot to death? Oh, God. Well, I think it would be I think it'd be fun if every time one of these guys went after somebody with a knife, they got shot in the head <laughs> it just before they ever got there. That didn't stop that quick. Yeah. You see you seen the videos with the with the person we won't go into any where he's from out the street chasing the cops around with a knife and then the bobbies are just dancing around it like yeah they, they have no way of stopping him here in the u.s he's like dunk dunk done yeah <laughs> i have actually had the experience of someone bringing a knife to a gunfight i used to be a cop at one point and so i yeah i've i've, I've experienced that it, it doesn't go well for the person with the knife no yes. not, no not, not in these times no yeah as long as you're not the guy who brought the knife to the gunfight i never take a knife to a gunfight he never exactly. take a knife anywhere. He carries guns. He has guns everywhere. I've never I seen carry a like knife, that. though. Remember, I do carry a small pocket knife just for utility purposes. Small, you know, it's small, small like your that. open box. <laughs> we should, we should, um, first of all, just so everyone knows, everyone should have a knife. Yeah. I mean, totally. let's, yeah, let's talk about that. Like your everyday carry, your EDC stuff. You should always have a knife, a flashlight, and a gun, maybe another gun. Some extra magazines. This is very funny. For Christmas, for Christmas, I, I asked my uh, my daughter-in-law. Uh, I asked her. She said because she drew me for Christmas. She said, "Well, I don't know what you got for Christmas. What do you want?" And I said, "Give me a switchblade." That is okay. a great gift. And she got me like a ten-inch switchblade. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it takes everything I have just to hold on to it when like it opens. It's just amazing. Did you uh, did you grind the point down on it? No, I didn't need to. This thing is. I mean, it's sharp. No, you have to grind all the points down oh, because well, yeah, yeah, the right. reason that people are dying in London 
-hmm. is because knives have points. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess so that's the point. What's your yeah, point? exactly. So what do you do with this uh, switchblade, Chuck? Do you use it to I open mail? People when they get too close to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, do you, is there a particular brand of it? No, it's a, it's a, actually, oddly enough, it's a German switchblade. Uh, oh. They seem to have some really good ones. And the Italians have fairly good ones because, you know, they've been using them for years. <laughs> I have seen him peel an apple with it while drinking a can of St. Pauli Girl. So, Pauli <laughs> Girl, man. You see what I'm talking about? The world of sense of humor. I mean, where did that come yeah. from? Uh, Mark is your friend, right? <laughs> well, we we have to re-up our friendship every time we get together. Oh, okay. <laughs> we have to go over some ground, you know, kind of redo it. And say, it's okay. a little bit like yeah. like Trump and uh, and and a little Rocket Man every time we get together. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Okay. Uh, that is everybody's making fun of that, but that is freaking epic. Yeah. So what's the news on that today? Have we have we solved world peace? You know what he did, which I think is really interesting. He got first of all, he started calling him Little Rocket Man and demeaning him and doing all these things. And earlier he went, well, you just can't talk to a world leader like that. That's just a wrong thing to do. And you're just crazy. And Trump doesn't know what you're doing. <laughs> That's uncouth. So then he gets together with him and said, you know, this guy is really very intelligent. He's really smart. Uh, he's uh, got a good heart. He loves his people. So all of a sudden he flipped it on him and started, you know, started complimenting him and telling him what a brilliant guy he is and all this kind of stuff. And now the left can't get over that. It, it, it just proves that no matter what you he do. says, he's always going to be wrong. Every yeah, time. Yeah, he's right. colluding with North Korea. Now. That's right. We, he's we've now been trying to decide if this, if this actually goes through this whole North Korean thing, which nobody knows what it is or not, because you have no idea what Kim's going to do. But if it does work out, we're deciding. We're trying to figure out who's going to get the Nobel Prize. <laughs> well, it'll, really? be, it'll either be Kim or the South Korean president. One of the two. Yeah, Trump is definitely yeah, out of the running. No way they're going to give it to him. <laughs> yeah. We I discussed hope, this I on our show today. today. The yeah, worm, the worm should get it. The worm, the worm should, should get it. Exactly <laughs> right. Give it to the worm. Hey, don't yeah. be picking on him, man. He's he's friends of us here. <laughs> so, Dennis Rodman. I think Dennis Rodman should get it. Right. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I couldn't believe what he was talking about. Just for crying so convincingly. I mean, although was, he didn't have one of these, he only had a "Make America Great" hat. He didn't have one of these hats. Make America Republican. Oh, okay. Make America a republic. Oh, again. okay. okay. <laughs> oh, oh, you're stepping up your game. Republic. <laughs> um. <laughs> I was watching that interview when he's talking to the CNN guy, and the CNN guy's going, "Oh, you mean Fredo Como?" I just stand there going, <laughs> "Yeah, I know." He had no idea what to do. He didn't know whether to shake hands or salute. Yeah. <laughs> he was totally lost. Did, I you thought, see, uh, did you see the thing about Jim Acosta yelling? Like, oh, they're yeah. Trump and um, Trump and Kim Jong Un are about to to meet, and he yells out like, "What are you going to denuclearize?" or something right. like that. Really like, funny if. Trump had just reached in his pocket and said, here, I got it right here. You hold it for a minute. Yeah. I think what he should have said was, I'm going to Disney World. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been the right answer. We talked about this on our show today. And so I'm going to give you a prediction. We've predicted that this, this meeting would happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm predicting right now that North Korea will denuclearize. And the reason is simply this. Donald Trump knows how to make deals. Mm -hmm. And what he did is he went in and he gave uh, Kim Jong-il, or Kim Jong-un, he gave him what he wanted. And what he wanted was he wanted to sit next to a U.S. president and be recognized as a legitimate world leader. Yeah, he, he just wants to save face. Right. And well, now that he has sat next to him, 
And now that he has the opportunity, he has the chance now to be able to be a part of the world and, and to do business with the entire planet, he's not going to let that go. He's not going to go back to being a third world tin pot dictator. Hey, listen, did you see the uh, did you see the video that Trump gave him? Anybody? No, no, um, no. I, I read about it. I didn't oh, see it's it. awesome. It is. It's like okay. a trailer to a movie. <laughs> In other yeah. words, this is what you could have if you make a deal with us. And it shows these lavish hotels on his McDonald's. beaches and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's great. And it's all narrated with music behind it and planes flying over and stuff. And then right in the middle of it, there's a giant mushroom cloud. This is what you can have if you don't do that. Okay, didn't, didn't I tell you that Trump was going to go in there and promise him that he could have a real economy? Yeah. Well, this is the thing I think about Trump that people don't realize. He's a he's a very modern president. I don't think the presidency is ever going to be the same again. And this is the way that the world is. I, I, I'm not trying to say that he's a troll, but honestly, he understands how to get things done, how to get people's attention, how to go in there and uh, get them to come to the table. Just go right after them instead of trying to be nice. Well, you know, the elites in Washington, quite frankly, to my in my opinion, anyway, and it's just my opinion. But the elites in Washington have certain guidelines and rules that they follow, and they can't escape the guardrails of their rules. Yeah. And of course, he came in and escaped every one of them. He didn't even touch the guardrail. And they just they just can't stand the fact that he's so uh, unusual and approaches things so normally and rationally. It has to be this kind of very smart bunch of guys get in a room who talk brilliantly to each other, accomplish absolutely nothing and then leave. Yeah. And feel, make each other feel good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's exactly what happened. Even with the Republican party. I oh, don't, absolutely. I don't think they wanted Trump. I don't think they, I know some oh. people here locally mm-hmm. that are in the Republican party. They actually took it over and the, uh, the old guard Republicans were kind of mad at them because they were actually campaigning for Trump. You know, while we have all your folks out there listening, I'm going to say something that they may or may not be aware of. Everybody thinks a Republican is a conservative. Nothing could be farther from the truth. There are very few conservatives, real conservatives, and most people don't know what that is, but there are real conservatives in the Republican Party. And as an example, the Republican Party is just as hostile to conservatives as the Democrat Party is. If you look back on Reagan, and I'm old enough to, you know, gonna, remember that, that and everything else, the Republican Party hated Reagan. Yeah. They couldn't stand him <clears throat> because he was conservative. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, there, there's a real, there's a real breakdown in the Republican Party, and that's it. It's the Republican Republicans, the traditional Republicans, and then conservatives, and they're always painted with a very bad brush. If you look at the Freedom Caucus, nobody likes the Freedom Caucus. Mainstream media doesn't like them. The Republican Party doesn't like them. They got to deal with these guys because they want to do things by the Constitution. (laughs) It's just too troublesome. What kind of world is this that we're living in now? I mean, who would have thought in 2018, any time in the past, who would have thought in 2018 wanting to follow the Constitution was going to make you a radical? Yeah, that's insane. Wow, I know. It's absolutely insane. Or you're far right is what it is. Oh, you're so far with it. Constitution's like right down the middle. It's not yes. far right of anything. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're a Nazi if you follow the Constitution. It, whoa, 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 hang on. If, if, if he was a Nazi, all these ones talking about him would already been shot. He's right. It don't work that way. They don't understand how that works. Okay, but understand this. It's because Donald, Donald Trump can't do anything right. 
So the problem is he can't, he doesn't even know how to be a Nazi. Correct. <laughs> think, about, think about Israel. He just, he just moved, yeah. <laughs> moved the embassy to Jerusalem. It's like, Dude, you suck even at being a Nazi. <laughs> and, the, and, and the world was going to end when he did that. Remember that? Well, the uh, world's people, always going to People end. are going to die. I, I'm pretty sure it's Trump's fault that that um, volcano blew up. <laughs> of course. Of course it is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so, so, Chuck, you were saying that people don't really understand what it is to be a conservative. Right. You know, um, I, I would like to actually know what your opinion is of that. You know, what's the, the bullet? You know, it's very it? simple. It's it's really simple. And the problem is most people don't know what I'm getting ready to mention. They know of it, but they don't know anything about it uh, or they know very little about it. And that is the Constitution is primary to being a conservative following the Constitution, which is the law of the land, uh, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, embracing all three of those. Then if you do that. You are a conservative, and most people don't because they get they get. We're all confused about socialism, for instance. I'll give you an example of the other side and how they they're confused. With Bernie Sanders, he said, "Yeah, I'm a socialist, but I'm a democratic socialist." Or you hear people <laughs> talking about a European socialist as if they're all different kinds of socialists. They're not. Well, I have they're my example of that, Chuck. I always said my example of Bernie Sanders and his democratic socialist oh. is like Jeffrey Dahmer saying he was a gourmet. Uh, cannibal because <laughs> it puts a different face on cannibalism it's like i'm not just any cannibal i'm a gourmet cannibal i'm not just yeah. any socialist i'm a democratic socialist so uh -huh. it's easy it's easy with all of these things to become very confused and and this is where our politics lives our politics lives and thrives in confusion and chaos and complexity as complex as they can make it, as chaotic as they can make it, as confusing as they can make it, they can get away with anything. They don't right. have to define anything. They can define it by saying you're a Nazi or you're a fascist or, or you're, you're a racist. racist. You're a yeah, racist. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, you name yeah. it. And that's how they define you instead of by what you really think and what you believe. Yeah, they so, could just double speak you to death. I think that is the point to confuse everyone. Well, I misspoke. And, and they're winning. What do you mean? I misspoke. I didn't mean that. I misspoke. Well, that's a, that's Washington for I lied. Yeah, yeah. And and one thing I, I said before the election, the first guy that comes along, and Trump was good because he could pay his own way, and the guy that doesn't apologize every five minutes that he misspoke and he didn't do that, people are going to love him. And what happened? Mm -hmm. He doesn't. I, I he doesn't care whether you like him or not. I saw him today, and they were saying, uh, "Well, what if you're wrong about the nuclear thing with North Korea?" He said, "Well." You know, we're going to find out. He said, I could be wrong about it, and I may have to apologize. I won't. I'll figure a way not to do it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it better to be to, to do tried. something and be wrong? Exactly. And listen, we can always bomb the living daylights out. Yeah. <laughs> worst come to worst, you just. <laughs> well, of course. Of course, I know that's hyperbole, and you don't really mean that. We can. That's true. I hate to see it come to that. I mean, nobody uh, really wants to do that. However, I, and I don't think Trump wants to do that. I did yeah. not say he wouldn't do it, but I don't think he wants to do it. Kim 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 Jong doesn't want to be Gaddafi. No, no, no. See, yeah, that's exactly. And that right. could yeah. happen in a split second in that country. If, if there's a coup, he could be dragged out in the street and hung upside down like like Mussolini and yep. Yeah. So yeah. here's the thing. Like, I remember this because I grew up as a, like, I think I came to America when I was 11. So I lived outside of America um, during the Reagan times. And what, what I could tell you from living in Nigeria and other places, people saw Reagan as like the crazy cowboy. Right. Right. That's that's who you're afraid of. It's almost like growing up in New York City. You have to be crazy. So people leave you alone. 
You know, they go, wait a second. I don't think I want to mess with that guy. They're looking for the quiet person, you know, not trying to make eye contact and all that kind of stuff. And this is what's different to make people pay attention. You have to do these kind of things for people to realize, yeah, we, we better listen to this guy. Yeah, it's for real. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I think. I think I saw that it's a very similar thing that happened way back then that's happening now. And, you well, know, obviously there's the an left. attempt to turn it around on us, right? This, this absolutely frightens the left because they, they also said the same thing about George W. They said that he was a cowboy shooting from the hip, if you remember that. So the left always does those kinds of things. It's just hyperbole, it, you know. It, it, yeah, he was. He was uh, one thing that always got me about Bush. Oh, he's an idiot. He's stupid. He's dumb. But every Republican um, president is an idiot, stupid, and dumb. Yeah, but you know, of course, he knew how to fly a jet when he was in the National Guard. I think he flew a jet. Um, did a lot of things, you know, and actually had a proven IQ higher than Obama ever had. Well, this gets back to that whole thing about how you look and how you speak. And if you look intelligent, if you speak intelligently, then you're fine for the left because then you can do anything. It's the <clears throat> what's the guy's name? Uh, we went over it this morning, Mark, uh, in Italy or in uh, in England in 1938 to Neville oh, Chamberlain. Oh, Chamberlain. <laughs> when Chamberlain came off the plane waving this thing that he just had signed by Hitler, saying "Peace on our time." Well, he was smart and he was, you know, eloquent and he was eloquent. Proper. He was proper. Yeah, yes. exactly. But he got <laughs> nothing done, obviously. And thank God Churchill figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, but look what they did to Churchill after World War II. They turned him into the enemy, too. So, you know, it's funny. I, I, I really can't get my head around knowing as much about history as I know. I can't figure out why people always have success with the conservative right. And then after having success with it, they always go back to the socialist left. I just don't get it. The pendulum but, that keeps swinging back and forward with human beings. But it does. It's like things are just too good. Let's make them worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of the things you have, Chuck, is is the issue is in modern society, and especially in this country, things have gotten too good. Our people don't know what it's like to put up with, to, to do without anything. I mean, our yeah. poorest people in this country, we measure our poor people by how heavy they are and, you know, what kind of cable TV they have. But I mean. And they don't have, a, they don't have the latest cell phone either. Right. So, I mean, people, it's, it is, it is built into human brains and it's part of the brain called an amygdala. And I want to get into it, but brains are hardwired to look for problems. And when you live in a world and you live in a society where, where the majority of problems have been eliminated, you continue to go look for them. Mm -hmm. And that's why we get some of this stuff. That's why we have these idiot kids that are doing what they're doing on some of the <laughs> college campuses, because they have nothing to worry about. They're not yeah. even working to pay their way through school. Yeah. Well, that's also why politicians don't fix problems. They create problems. We enjoy we enjoy the drama. Right. Well, that's this is bread and circuses. This is the big problem with Trump. The Washington elites learned a long time ago, and perhaps mankind learned a long time ago in politics, that if you create problems, you have something to run on because people are unhappy and you make them unhappy. You create the chaos around it, the complexity around it, the confusion around it. Well, Trump is a guy who solves problems. That's his job. All right, all right. So he comes into the arena, starts solving all these problems. They're going, no, no, that's that. not how you do it. <clears throat> you could never get reelected if you solve all the problems and we don't have anything to run on. Well, to add to that, Chuck, Trump is, is not a businessman. Trump is an entrepreneur. 
And there's a distinct difference. He is not a corporate executive. He's an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs, by their very nature, are people who have, have very positive outlooks. They believe that they can accomplish things. And they just look for the next problem and find the solution for it. And this is the reason, and Chuck, you can add to this. This is the reason why Donald Trump has turned out to be so conservative and probably more conservative than Ronald Reagan. In some ways, yes. And it's not because he's an ideologue and philosophically conservative. It's because conservative ideas tend to be the right answer if you just follow a decision process of looking for the quickest solution. And that's well, it's, why it's reason instead of it's reason instead of irrationality, really. Right. Yeah. So now, so I just want to ask this question. Obviously, we're 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 talking about Trump here. Do you do you guys see him as being like hundred percent perfect? He could do no wrong. No, 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 <laughs> oh, no. Lord, no. no, no. Well, number one, nobody's that. Uh, although the left demands that you be that when you're in office. Uh, if, you're on the opposite, was, yeah. if you're on the opposite side of the aisle from them, they don't demand that from their own people. No, 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 no. that's what I that's what I mean. I said if you're in office and, and you're on the opposite side of the aisle, they mm-hmm. expect you to be perfect. And of course, no one is. Uh, now, Trump is going to make it's like I tell you a real tricky area that he's in right now. And I'm I'm trusting the fact that he's smart enough to get through this. Most people don't understand what a tariff is. Uh, when he starts talking about tariffs and everybody's against it and they don't want to do this and anything else. Well, tariffs are a tax that a nation imposes on another nation for products. I'll give you an example. If you want to buy a Harley Davidson in Greece, if it costs $26,000 here, by the time you buy one in Greece, it costs $52,000. They have a 100% tax on that. Now, that tax or that tariff goes into the pocket of the government. So it puts your people in a position of having to pay more for things that they want. It's less freedom. So tariffs yeah, we sell are less stuff. Yeah, you, or, you or you get stuck buying inferior products. You just don't have the choices that you have in a free market society. So I think one of the interesting things that most people overlook when Trump started this whole thing with Canada and our so-called friends who have massive tariffs on us right. that no one ever talks about is that he said, look, here's what I would like to do. Let's all start at zero. We'll get rid of all our tariffs. You get rid of all your tariffs and we'll trade. How about that? Free market, real yeah, free market. Exactly. Real. But, That's too simple. Here's what it is. It's not about simplicity. It's about government control. So if you go to Europe and places like that in Canada, they don't live the freedom that we live. They want to control what their people buy and how they buy it. So in order to do that, to put tariffs on other products like Canada with dairy, they don't want any of our dairy to come up there because if you're going to buy a stick of butter and it's 300% more than a Canadian stick of butter, which one are you going to buy? So it's protective and it's also controlling and it's less freedom, period. I'll tell you how controlling Canada is. So I'm in Detroit. Canada is just the next city over. I had a friend who's a photographer who went across the bridge and he was going to uh, shoot a wedding for a friend of his. He was doing it for free. Had his camera equipment in. They asked him, do you have any declarations? Well, I have my camera equipment. What are you doing with it? Well, my friend's getting married. I'm going to go take pictures at his wedding. They stopped him at the bridge and wouldn't let him across because they said he was taking a job from a Canadian <laughs> photographer. <laughs> what? Are you serious? I'm no, dead that, serious. That's the kind of stuff that goes on. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, that's the kind of that's stuff. That's the kind that of stuff on. that happens in Italy, lots of different places. We've seen it. 
You know, this is all about government control. This is all about socialism, frankly. And anybody who thinks that we don't have socialism, that it's been infused into our government over the last hundred years is just stupid or ignorant one, depending on Or they want it. Or they want it. Exactly. If you're in government, they certainly want it because it's a statist kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So now here, here's uh, along the same line of thinking with Trump. And, and what do we think about, you know, we just 100 percent, you know, cheerleaders for him. What do you guys think about what he's saying when it comes to the Second Amendment lately? I know I hear some things uh, coming out that are kind of disturbing to me. I know there's, you know, the way the media is slanting it or whatever, but then there's definitely what we see him say. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about that? I think Trump does. I think Trump is smart enough to play both sides of the aisle. Uh, He will lull you into a position of uh, acquiescence by agreeing with you and then saying, well, I agree with you. However, now that I've got you where I want you, the Constitution actually says this. So I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, look at look at the love fest when he met with Pelosi and all. Exactly. They were were giddy. She hadn't been that way since the last time she got laid. Right. Right. And and, and <laughs> holy crap! None of us are old enough to remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was how long ago that was, Walter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Walter, were you were you there? I don't know if you were there. No, just, I didn't. That's I didn't, a visual I that I am not going to get out of my <laughs> head. I really appreciate that. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. But but they were just a, they couldn't they couldn't contain themselves. And then he just like backed off a little bit, and they're like. Ugh. He just, uh, you can't trust this guy. He just did us. He just yeah. did us. You know. Well, and, Trump sucked them in on the. Um, uh, think about it with the Dreamer thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. He fucked them good there. Right. He. They oh, wanted eight hundred thousand Dreamers. He's like, oh heck with your eight hundred thousand. I'll raise you a million yeah. Dreamers. Well, we don't want that. And everybody yeah. ran from it. And that's I think what Chuck's point is that he's he's very good. He's very adept at stealing their argument <laughs> and taking it away from them, knowing that once he steals it, they just give up on it. <laughs> well, you, it's very difficult to play a game against someone that they keep changing the rules on you, right? That there's really no rule. That's well, how they, they no like rules. You're right. Yeah, yeah, that's how they like to play it. But he mm-hmm. plays it maybe the same way, or it, this is just a game of that that everyone's playing. And that's that's what I th- that's how I think a lot of people should go about this. Why should you go by the rules that someone else out there sets up? Hey, and look, says this is how we should do this. Trump has been in New York. Building buildings and dealing with that that uh, that political machine for years. You think he doesn't know how to negotiate? Doesn't know how to do anything? Now you have these these politicians who try to negotiate with with our money. They don't negotiate with their money. They negotiate with our money. So they could care less how much they win or lose as long as they look good doing it. And here he is. He's, uh, you know, the guy's trying to protect us as Americans, and I really appreciate it. And if he does something off the rails, I'll mention it and bring it up and, and you know, go at him a little bit. But frankly, up to this point, I haven't seen anything yet that has literally come to fruition that I haven't liked, with exception of the omnibus bill. And I think that he was that kind was of— pre- a, That was purposeful, though. I think he was pressured into that by Mattis. But I think— that that won't happen again. I don't think it'll happen again either. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a thing. I mean, obviously, he said it'll never happen again. Well, uh, then on top of that, the the left. I mean, all the left went insane, saying it's a <laughs> trillion dollars. I mean, they just left a guy with nine trillion who yeah, they said what, nothing what about. <laughs> yes, but you see, that's that all goes out the window <laughs> when your you know, man's when not that, in office. Yeah. Chuck, you do know because it. you said that that makes you a racist. 
Thank you, a racist. Well, anytime you say anything negative about President Obama, uh, you're automatically a racist. Automatically, yeah, that's yeah, the fallback. You say. I would assume yeah. Hank probably gets accused of being a racist anytime he um, mentions Obama. I get- I get accused of a lot of things. (laughs) You know, I get accused of a lot of things. And here's the thing. I think people should, uh, you know, keep their own counsel, be their own people. I don't look at uh, at things the way that everyone else does. I think maybe I have a little bit of a different perspective. I'm not going to go by things just based on what my skin color is or this thing or that thing. What a concept. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that when you do that, you are truly not the racist. It's like, um, have you guys seen what happened? Have you ever heard of Kendrick Lamar? I'm just checking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Kendrick Lamar, the rapper. Yeah. Yeah. They gave him a Nobel Peace Prize. Right. And, uh, you know, I like his rap music. I'm, I'm into that kind of stuff. I used you to Kendrick uh, Lamar, not Hedy Lamar, Chuck. I'm no. Kendrick was a great looking redhead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Hedy Lamar. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. They gave this guy a Nobel Peace Prize. I, you know, I think he's a pretty decent rapper, to be honest with you. And in his in his music, in his lyrics, like lots of rappers do, they use the N word all the time. Then then he does a concert. He brings up someone on stage. If you're I'm pretty sure if you're getting brought up on that stage, not only did you pay money to come to the show, but you paid extra money to get up on the stage. And so then this uh, young white woman who's uh, she looks like she's drunk a little bit. He gets her to to repeat his own lines from his song. And when she says the N word in there, then they turn on her. Yeah. Boot her off stage. I yeah. did say that. Thank you. I just didn't know his name. I experienced this. <laughs> oh, you did? Seriously. I, I My daughter wanted to go to a Chris Brown concert. Oh, God. Now, I had to go with her because I didn't want her to get beat up by Chris Brown. But we were now, her, his daughter, by the way. Let me let me let me get to his daughter. Is, is she Guatemalan? Is that what it is? Guatemalan. She's Guatemalan. She's about four foot five. Okay? She's a little tiny Guatemalan. So she's tall. Girl. She's tall. For, That's right. For yeah. Guatemalan. So we go to the Chris Brown concert and Chris Brown is on the stage and, and everybody's got their hands in the air. And he starts yelling. All the ends. Put your hands in the air. And he keeps yelling, all the ends, put your hands in the air. The same thing. I look over at my daughter. I'm like, what do I do? I'm confused. <laughs> and my daughter's like, don't put your hands in the air, daddy. Just keep your hands, keep your hands down, daddy. Don't, don't put fall hands. for it. It's a trick. <laughs> this is so weird. Like, uh, these people are supposed to be artists. They're supposed to be creative. You create this, and then people people fall in love with what you create. You become a wealthy, famous, all of those things behind it. Um, I, I had a friend that was a rapper and uh, he's still a rapper and he, he had a platinum song in Germany and he went to Germany and one of his fans who loved his songs, he, they put nothing but, um, you know, the N word in their songs. Right. So one of his fans came up to him and, you know, and regurgitated what he puts in his music and he lost his mind. And then when he's telling me about it, he's like, not only is this guy white, he's German. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. Did you set him straight at least? Yes, I did. I told him, how can you create something? How can you have people be huge fans, love you and and pay your money? You made this, you created it. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you create it and you put it out there, you can't get like it's the, it's the way that people are coming at you with this thing. They love you, you know, and that's what when I, when I look at the footage of that woman, I'm I'm kind of like you feel sorry for her. Probably. Yeah, I, I feel sorry for her because she loves this guy. She loves I can, I can tell you, I feel her pain. I felt her pain when I was at the <laughs> <Yeah, concert. you laughs> 
Do you, do you have PTSD? Right now? I didn't know where to put my hands in the air, what to do. Yeah. <laughs> we have to get we have to get treatment, Chuck. Mark. No, we understand. He doesn't know that Bill Clinton doesn't know the difference between philanderer and 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 what's the other word I'm looking Philanthropy. <laughs> Any kind of philander, philander anything with FL in it. Exactly. I, I just he thought I was being between I, I, that and fellatio, philandering. That's right. Anything. I thought I was being philanthropic when I, I thought I was just giving cigar. it away. I just tried to share my cigars with him. What he's doing? All I wanted to do was help this girl. <laughs> so, so now, what do you think of, of Kanye? By the way, what do I think of Kanye? I'm going to tell you this. I same thing. Uh, you know, I grew up in hip hop music when I came to America. Huge fan of it. Uh, I think Kanye is incredibly creative. All that kind of stuff. He's obviously a little bit crazy. But what he's when he said that slavery is a choice, I he, I that's actually not what he said. That's not what he said. Well, I, I watched the oh, whole. Go ahead and go ahead and finish. Yeah, your thought. I watched the whole TMZ thing, and I think what he was saying in there. And and here's my thing. I well, think say it, what he said first, so because uh, yeah. I stepped on that. And said, I apologize. Well, yeah. Well, he said for 200 years it looks like a choice to me. Right. That's exactly what he said. And here's what I think. I think it is a choice, and it's a choice under these circumstances. If someone has waved a magic wand and you can no longer pick up a weapon, you can't pick up a gun, you can't pick up a, a sword or any kind of weapons, if you're not able to fight back, then slavery is not a choice. But if you are if you are a free person that you can fight back and you have the tools and you have the rights in, in order to fight back, then, yeah, slavery becomes a choice if you choose not to choose right. freedom and pay the price and the cost for freedom. Here's what I think. I think that uh, Kanye probably stepped on his own line, and that, and I believe this. I believe this is true, and I think uh, he would back me up on this. Uh, Kanye said slavery is a choice, and everybody jumped on that and said for the last, you know, time, you know, two hundred, three hundred years, slavery is a choice. That's what he said. That's not really what he said. What he said was. Today, slavery is a choice. If you want to be enslaved by your government, enslaved by all the ideas that are going on, then it's your choice. You can make that choice today. There was a time when you couldn't make that choice, and he didn't make that distinction. And so it gave the left the opportunity to jump all over it. Yeah, but and I think that it is. It's a choice that people are making. People are actually human beings in today's society are making the choice to choose slavery. Another crazy thing in regards to slavery. I remember when John McCain was uh, running for president and Whoopi Goldberg said that if he became president, we would go back to slavery. Mm-hmm. Then you fast forward to today where John McCain didn't make it. You had a whole bunch of other people that that ran for office and didn't make it. Trump's, you know, Trump's in there. And now, like, John McCain is like some awesome, you know, of course, demigod that sits up in the, high in the mountains. And he didn't, you know, he wasn't going to bring slavery back to America. Mm-hmm. It's a choice that this, these are choices that we make when we decide, you know, to allow this stuff to happen to us. So when it comes to guns, for example, I think. When you have when you have people in America, not just people who look like me, when you choose to support people that want to take the Second Amendment away from you, you are choosing slavery. Hey, listen, in the South, uh, you know, the former slaves had every right to own a gun and the KKK went after them. They wanted no part of it. The Democratic Party did not want them to be able to protect themselves. They were literally called the black laws. Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's fascinating if you. If you compare historically the Democrat Party, the Republican Party, I know the Democrats all have all kinds of excuses 
why it's changed. Oh, yeah, the party switched spots, remember? <laughs> I mean, this is we absolutely not true. 1963, we all, we all just got up and switched. <laughs> there, is, there is a woman. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite everybody. This is really off subject, but I'm going to invite everybody to do this. There is a piece on Prager University. And if you don't know what Prager in a university is, go look it up online. Google Prager University. Is it about how to get pregnant? <laughs> no. no, that's that's Prager it's, University. Could, that's not a porn site. That's not yeah. a different site. Wrong that's a, site. That's man. a that's a Clinton site. That is not a Dennis Prager site. So I didn't Prager get her pregnant. I didn't do that, Chuck. I didn't do that. I didn't get pregnant. So there's there's a black woman who is a professor at the uh, University of Tennessee, who does a whole thing about the Democrat Party and slavery. It is brilliant, and it's only about five minutes long. So please go look that up. I wish I had it in front of me so I could tell you exactly what uh, it was. So I actually Googled Prager University. Um, actually, I think I was Googling uh, black laws since you said black laws. Um, and one of the things that comes up is it's called The Inconvenient Truth About yes. the Democratic Party. And who's the woman? Did, could could oh, you figure yeah, out what her name, name is? Um, sorry, I'll grab her name. Huh? I'll get her name. Give me a second. She brilliantly puts this together, and I would suggest that everybody take a look at this and make up your own mind. Now, yeah, by the way, funny. the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center, oh. which has oh, nothing boy. to do with Southern, Jesus. has nothing to do with poverty, and has nothing to do with law, <laughs> which yeah. I personally support with my tax dollar, not my tax dollars, with my donations. I, I have, have like a payroll deduction program for them. <laughs> they just announced Prager University as one of the uh, great enemies of America. <laughs> of course. <laughs> which which I tweeted to Prager, congratulations. You made it. You made badge it. of honor. Badge of honor. <laughs> well, this is how you know. I don't know if you guys heard it. Now, you guys have a YouTube channel, and I do want to take time to, to have – listen, guys, uh, you can hear a lot of this from Chuck and Mark on Blunt Force Truth, the podcast, okay? And there's a uh, – you guys have a .com. You also have a YouTube channel, right? We've got a YouTube channel. We have BluntForceTruth.com, which is also a news site. Chuck does uh, daily radio minutes on 65 radio stations around the country. Uh, we do all kinds of fun stuff. I'm Actually, right now, we're trying to book Harry, Harry Belafonte. We want to have this oh, conversation man. with him. We're going to have the same conversation with him. I want to go home. Did I come and then I We get some really great guests on our podcast, though. We we really uh, get some I'm really, a, really I'm super a one, intellectuals. I'm a one hit wonder, and I want to go home. I encourage I encourage everyone. I love Bill, Harry Belafonte in the fifties. I loved him. I thought he was awesome. I love that. Song. I love that song in um, Beetlejuice. That was an awesome song. Yeah, yeah. And my par my parents actually sang that kind of music and all that kind of. Uh, stuff. Unfortunately, I'm probably your parents' age, or maybe yeah. older. <laughs> a, little, a little bit, a little bit. My dad was born in 1946. Shut up. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> that's, so, that's close, Chuck. So the thing about the Southern Poverty Law Center that happened is, um, you know that YouTube actually had these guys going through and, and helping them out to police the YouTube airwaves, right? And they, and they were deleting a bunch of channels. Ours included got deleted in that whole thing. We had to fight to get it back. Have we lost our commercial revenue, by the way, on YouTube. Demonetized. Because our videos are violent. <laughs> yeah. Hate speech, guys. Hate speech. You can't, you can't be talking that. Now, now, by the way, by the way, I'm going to just point this out to you. Some of the videos that we produced that they said were too violent was Chuck Woolery suggesting that we tax the Amish. <laughs> which is one of my favorites. <laughs> there was Chuck Woolery claiming that we should invade Canada. 
I also love that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we should. <laughs> but but these that's, how, that's how we get Drake. <laughs> yeah. And Listen, how, how can a guy that wears these beautiful uh, blue frame spectacles mm. be violent? Be so violent? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to see that Amish that Amish video. Hey, listen, these these spectacles came from Walmart. They were two ninety nine. <laughs> I shopped long and hard for these things. I know. I keep looking at them. They're really cool. No, they do look cool. I like them. I like them. I might. I might steal Jesse Raphael. <laughs> yeah, I might steal that from you. Isn't it time the Amish started paying tax though, Chuck? Really? I'm sorry. Isn't it time the Amish start stepping Absolutely. up? Absolutely, they're getting away yeah. these sneaky little, sneaky little bearded bastards. What you refer to them as? Yes. Yeah. So, so tell me about Chuck's war on the Amish. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can look it up. I mean, you know, we I think we should have a beard tax on the Amish. And just we did. We had a beard tax. We had a my name is Jebediah tax. <laughs> We had the uh, we had the reflector, reflector tax, tax. Yeah. the yeah. armpit hair tax that we oh. had that one in there. Yeah, well, oh. beard tax, I believe, is what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I never. That's the good. We tax them about one hundred and thirty percent of their income. <laughs> it was all over. So, who else have you gone after? I, I saw that you um, you got in trouble for for um, pointing out that some Marxists were actually Jewish. Is oh, that correct? Yeah. That Wait a minute. We just got to. We got to stop. We got to just bleep that right now. <laughs> stop right there. <laughs> Is That's it like an area you don't want to get into. I, oh, really? I stumbled no. onto some truth and laid it out there, and I got filler for it. Believe me. But I, I, you know what I am going to do though. I'm one of these days. I, we're going to get Dennis Prager, and I'm going to talk to him about that particular subject and have him elaborate on it from a Jewish perspective. And I think we we'll might. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's one of the things, you know, you were, you were talking about. Well, he called like, me anti-Semitic, which I was, it couldn't be further from the truth. It has nothing, it has nothing to do with being anti-Semitic. The truth? With politics. Yeah, it's the truth, right? I mean, yeah. they were what they were, and, you know. Well, I was talking about Germany and Russia. And, uh, I mean, Hitler was after the Jews because most of them were communists. That, that was the big, big thing that he had to go against with uh, the fascist party. His biggest competitor were the communists, and right. the Jews were, you know, most of them were communists. So, and, and there were other communists. They weren't all, all just right. Jews, but kind of the elitist group were, were Jews who were the thinkers. And they always have been in Germany, by the way. You go through Hegel and all these different... Frankfurt School. Here you go. Start drinking. Right. Start drinking. Here it uh -oh. is. <laughs> so, but it's really true. For anyone who doesn't know, we're supposed to drink whenever. whenever Socialism was born in Germany, and, and we've adopted every bad idea that they've ever had. Right. But anyway, that whole conversation is is taken completely out of context as you know, the minute you do it. And it sounds like you're attacking a group, which I wasn't at all. I was just trying to feel... Well, the opinions expressed on this show are those of Chuck Woolery and not those of the <laughs> other guests or me. that may be appearing on this broadcast. Chuck is not saying anything that we don't already say on here. And listen, I have this conversation. We were talking about um, slavery and a whole bunch of things. Mm -hmm. And I'm always trying to tell people, because I lived in, in, uh, in Africa for some time, my wife's actually, Lola is actually African. What people don't realize that you know, the story of slavery, I'm from the Caribbean, so I am descendant of, of slaves. And the story of slavery is not 100% what you saw in Roots. You didn't have some white people landed on the shores of Africa and then just en masse started kidnapping Africans. What you had was Africans selling their own people into slavery. And you Muslims. Know? Yes. Right. 
Yeah. And when we have this conversation, it makes it makes some people really mad. When I say that, go look it up. I lived I lived in Africa. My wife is African. When her family gets mad at me, they say, yeah, that's why you're the garbage we threw away. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's their favorite thing to say to me. And that's what Africans say. Like people people look at stuff about Africa when, you know, you get people go there like uh, this football player went there. He actually went to Ghana, where Lola's from. And, you know, they they do the dances and all that. That's because you bring in money. Money. Yeah. They like you when you do that. But the minute you say something that that they don't like, they will remind you that you're the garbage they threw away. They sold their own people en masse into slavery. I did a genetic test. I am descendant of Ghanaians and Nigerians. That's where my African, you know, I'm, I'm mixed. Uh, my mom's Indian, but. You're not the guy that's yeah. been trying to send me $68 million. But <laughs> <laughs> Secretly, it was yes. the whole time. I am, I am actually an African prince. <laughs> you know, can I so, give you, can I give you all my social security and bank account numbers? Yes, please do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send you a check. You just cashed that. <laughs> you know, and so this is the thing. I think a lot of people don't, people for whatever reasons, they don't, this is all available. You can look this up. You can research it. You can, you can talk to people you can find out that this is true. This, If you look at this in a balanced way, the problem is people don't want to look at it in that way. They want to find someone to blame for the situation that they're in in life. Right, right, right. And life's not fair for any of us. Yeah, you know, just, once again, it's the facts. Just look at the facts. Yeah, most Go people ahead. aren't interested in that. I, I, that's what I found. That I, I found that uh, if you have facts that go against what people believe, even though it's un- irrational, they just don't want to hear it. Yeah. And they're they're offended by it, and they're so they're offended by you, and they will take off on you and call you everything <laughs> in the world and get support from other people who are just like them, feeling that way about you. Right. And so it you know it's like a it's like a blue wave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the blue wave. It's coming. Don't you feel it? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, we got a we got a question from chat. Um, I've been asked okay. this a couple times. Chuck, okay. Are you a member of uh, Friends of Abe, I believe it's called. Friends of Abe. No, Friends I'm not. Uh, Friends of Abe is a, is a Hollywood group, and uh, <clears throat> for the last 15 years, excuse me, <clears throat> for the last 15 years I've lived in Texas. I'm I'm really not even connected to anybody in Hollywood anymore. Although, Friends of Abe has been disbanded, Chuck. Oh, have they? Yeah. yeah. Who are they friends of now? <laughs> I have, what is, I have what is Friends of Abe? What is Friends of Abe? Someone explain. Yeah. I have no. Friends clue of Abe it. was kind of a Republican uh, party group of actors and actresses, people in the business who were kind of Republican and uh, some were far more Republican than others. And they would meet you know, in a cave someplace outside of LA. <laughs> yeah. I think it was in Malibu. And- <laughs> so it's kind of like the, the Hollywood Republican um, Illuminati. It was, but it had to be hidden. It it was actually Wink Martindale and his wife that actually managed the schedule because we were invited to to come. Yeah, Yeah, I've been invited. Wink and his wife managed the schedule, but um, Gary Sinise was real active in it. He was. And uh, John Voight was. Yeah, and Gary actually is involved with pulling the plug on it. It's, he said it was just too, he said it was too much trouble now. It wasn't, they weren't able to hide it anymore. 
because <laughs> they were getting pretty vicious. You know, and, and Chuck, while we have you here, can you like enlighten us on what it was like? Uh, have you always been this way, you know, since you have were you in Hollywood? Been, as if it's a yeah. problem. Well, I don't, I don't, yeah. <laughs> no. you, well, I have, have, you, I have a question. When, when have you, you always had these conservative tendencies? <laughs> he was originally born a poor black child. <laughs> in the hills of and Kentucky. He did what Michael Jackson could not do. Exactly. <laughs> so... Uh, to give you my background, I came from, uh, I came, I grew up in Eastern Kentucky and most people would, uh, equate the, the word Appalachia to Eastern Kentucky. So it's a very poor area. I mean, I don't have a log cabin story. I wasn't some poor kid. Uh, my family was kind of in the middle of middle class probably. Um, but I was surrounded by people who were desperate. I mean, they really were literally desperate. Uh, not very intelligent. That well, that, that's not a good word. They were ignorant. It's not that they were not intelligent. They had they were just ignorant people. They couldn't help it. They had no education of any kind at all. So I grew up in that environment, and I got into music, and then I moved to Nashville. I was in Nashville for about nine years. Uh, I matriculated to to Los Angeles with nothing, frankly, besides a beat up car, and. Uh, I happened to meet a girl who was a movie star at the time, and she and I took up together, and she introduced me to Merv Griffin. And Merv Griffin seemed to like me for some reason, and I think it was because my head was rather large. He, he said that all game show hosts have big heads, and you have a, the biggest head I've ever seen, so okay. you'll probably be real good at this. Wow. And, and offered, me, offered me the job to do the pilot to Wheel of Fortune, which I didn't do. Someone oh. else did. And then after, oh, I don't know, like six months, NBC called me and said, uh, well, would you like to do the, the, uh, the pilot on air to Wheel of Fortune? We're going to go with 13 weeks with Merv because we owe him 13 weeks on something. And we're not that crazy about this show, but, you know, how would you like to do it? So I said, sure, I'll do it. I got 13 weeks of work and his first job. So I went in and I did it. And it was the number one show on NBC for the seven years I did it. So all of a sudden, everybody knows me, and so on, and I am apolitical. When I say apolitical, I, I'm really not a conservative. I'm not a liberal. I'm just an ignorant guy walking around going, you know, I like that guy, like Painting. most people. I, I mean, I just yeah. a, a human being, human being. Yeah, and I had no thoughts about anything much. And as time went on, I got into the late 70s, and Reagan was running for the Republican ticket. And I can remember my wife at the time saying, no, Reagan's all wrong. Reagan is all wrong. She was an actress. And I said, well, why do you think he's wrong? I kind of like him. She said, no, Jimmy Stewart should be running for president, not Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan would be like, you know, secretary or something, but not he, the casting isn't right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I went against uh, type and I voted for Reagan. And I was happy with him and I started getting a little more interested in it. And then I started developing uh, kind of critical thinking and uh, thinking more conservatively. And then I realized that I can't talk about this to anybody. And so I didn't. And for the entire time I was in Hollywood, I guess for, for the 42 or 43 years I was there and seven shows later, I really never told anybody what I was because I found out very quickly, if you did, you wouldn't work. And so I kept my mouth shut. And I just would nod at people when they talk about politics or turn around, walk away and say, I don't even know anything about what you guys are talking about. So I'm, I'm going to go over here and talk about, uh, you know, sailing. 
And so I avoided that uh, until I started doing Love Connection. And my producer on Love Connection was named Eric Lieber. And he would come in and he would come into my dressing room because I went to work about 3 o'clock in the afternoon at 3.30. Rush Limbaugh came on. I used to start to watch Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> oh, boy. And, and he said, you know, once Bill Clinton's out of office, Rush Limbaugh's going to have anything to talk about. And I said, yeah, boy, you're probably right about that. So I, I didn't even reveal to him. That's when he got his G6, though. I had to tell him. <laughs> well, you know, I got away with it for my 43 years. And uh, when I left town, I went, okay, that's enough. And then that's Mark enough. Mark literally roped me back into this. We were riding motorcycles. Outed him. Huh? I outed you. Well, he did. <laughs> he, and, and I have to give him credit because uh, I would not be nearly as unhappy as I am right now had he not done it. <laughs> we're riding motorcycles in Michigan, and I said something. I can't recall what it was. And he looked at me, and he said, you know, let's go home and shoot that on tape and put it on video and put it on YouTube. And I went, no chance. I'm not doing this. He said, why? I said, look, I have a lot of people who like me out there, and half of them are going to hate my guts <laughs> if I, I take do care of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he, he got me to the place now where half the people who used to be fans of mine hate my guts, <laughs> and it's the world I live in today. But you know, I've I've started, I guess, in the last ten years, maybe seven years, really studying history. I, I put it on myself to go back and look at as much history as I possibly could to see what got us from there to here, and why we are what we are, and why we don't know anything, why most people are just ignorant, realizing that I went through school and I never learned anything about the Constitution. I never learned anything about the Bill of Rights. I was totally ignorant. So I've had to educate myself on it. And in doing so, I've become more conservative. It's kind of like, uh, who's the guy who wrote The Witch, The Wad, and The Wardroom? The, the wardrobe? What's his name? The, um, the, the author from... The Witch, and The Wardrobe? Who Say that. Uh, the the book you're talking, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah, yeah. Who who wrote that? Oh gosh, who's English? Chats. Uh, it begins with a C. Yeah, I just I can't think of his name right now. But so, so uh, let me give you a little example of what he went through. C.S. Lewis, are you? Yeah, C.S. Lewis. Lewis. Yep. C.S. Yeah. Lewis went through a thing where he's he was babyface. You blew that again. I just got to tell you, you should have had that, man. <laughs> yeah, that's two. <laughs> so C.S. Lewis went through a thing where, and he was noted to be brilliant in his debate skills. He could he could literally debate three sides of an issue, and he was just known for this incredible mind. And so he dedicated himself one summer. He was going to take the Bible, break it down, and destroy all of these myths once and for all. That's what his purpose was. <laughs> and in doing so, he became a believer. <laughs> so that's kind of what happened to me by breaking down everything that was political and and what people were after, the human condition and all of that stuff, weaving all those things together. I became a conservative, not a Republican, but a conservative. I am forced to vote Republican, as most conservatives are. I don't like it, but, you know, it's what I've got. Now I say we can get rid of the Democrat Party, and then we can start cleaning out the Republican Party. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you <clears throat> Do you go. still think that's true? I mean, I think a lot of the problems we have is because of this two-party system. Yeah, but And uh, there's lots of people that feel the way that you do. I know I do. I, You know, for crazy reasons here in Florida, I'm still registered as a Democrat because Florida has this stupid thing. If you if you have to choose Democrat or Republican or independent, and if you choose independent, you can't, you vote. can't vote. Yeah, you can't vote for anyone unless there's an independent. It's a real insane kind of thing that's going on. And most of us are right where in the 
position that you're saying, Chuck. Well, most of the problem is you have to declare, uh, I declare Republican because that allows me to vote in primaries. Right, right. Uh, if I'm not declared a Republican, I can't vote in a primary right. or a Democrat. Same thing here. The problem with uh, the Democrats, which have gotten away with this for, until kind of until Trump, maybe a little bit before, but it's been very interesting. The Democrats have always had this Marxist, and I, I don't mean this as hyperbole, but this Marxist Hegelite philosophy of a centralized statist government. So they have always been socialists for the longest time, and no one knew it. And then they think they've evolved into this over the last hundred years, or the, even the last eight years, they think they've evolved into this. I stay, I'm, I'm telling you, historically, they have always been there. Since like Wilson. Some, some yeah. less than others. There were those blue dog Democrats, and they were conservative, kind of conservative-like Democrats. But today, we look at them now, and we know exactly who they are. If you're paying any attention at all, if you're not, you only know the hyperbole that surrounds them and what they say about other people. And, you know, the economy's not any good. And the $2,000 in your pocket doesn't mean anything. But that's all, you know, ancillary. Their primary purpose is to become a European socialist type government in this country. Everything we've always tried to avoid. Right, and right. a lot of Americans are falling for it. And I think it's a shame. So it's kind of my purpose, along with Mark, to clarify, clear the air up. Be responsible in instructing people who will listen as to what's going on, why it's going on, and where it's going to lead us if we're not careful. I, so that was a lot. That was a mouthful. I'm sorry to take up all no, that time with that, but you know. No, no, not at all. I think I, I think that's the way that a lot of people feel. What were you going to say, Walter? I said once I got a little older, I started thinking. You know, all the time we always made the Russians into this big enemy, our big enemy, the Russians. are coming to get us. We had the enemy here all the time. The Russians, the Russians are not, they're not going to swim across and get us. It's the Democrats that are here that are the enemy the whole well, time. When Khrushchev was walking across in the 50s, uh, some Iowa farm trying to figure out how we grew such great corn, <laughs> talking, to the, talking to the Secretary of Agriculture, uh, he, was, he was claiming, he said, you know, we will never have to fire a shot. I promise you, we will pick you like low-hanging fruit. And that's exactly what's going on today. They are picking us, and I say they are, we're picking ourselves as low-hanging fruit. Chuck, when you yeah. think about what's happened with the parties, you hear this, you know, it drives me nuts when you hear these people say how the Republicans and the Democrats switched parties in 63, which is totally ridiculous. But what's really happened, if you think about it, the majority of the Republican Party, the Republican Party we have today the majority of that party has become the Democratic Party, the Democrats, right. and the Democratic Party has actually become the Socialist Party. Right, right. They moved on. <laughs> right. There's been a complete shift. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm I sure mean, that uh, there are a lot of people out there who will probably disagree with me on that, but uh, I don't care. Yeah, and I think you're, see, you're seeing kind of like a revolution is happening, uh, even though the Republicans are trying to stop it. The reason that Trump got elected is not because of the Republican Party. You, you see it in what's no. happening. His no, biggest enemies. Yeah. His biggest enemies still right now are in, are in D.C. And they're you know, they have an R. He got elected because yeah, he's Trump. That's why he got elected. He does what he wants and he says what he wants. And people are tired of all that other political garbage. Yeah, I think people are tired of the PC. Right. Yes, all that political correctness. I got to tippy toe around your feelings. No, yeah. I don't. So where did uh, Mark is going to hate me for this, but where did 
politically correctness come from? Does anybody know besides Mark? <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold no, it. Stop, stop. Okay, you can pull out your thing and start drinking in a minute. Get the Drambuie out. Hold on. Get, I mean, it's all we talk about is political <laughs> correctness. So where right. did it come from? I, um, I, that's a good question. When did it start? Did it's it start? A, it's, it's probably a progressive thing, which, you know, which is basically a, a communist thing <laughs> or socialist. Well, like it started know. somewhere after the 80s because I came jamming baby face up here. He's not even sure what to Google right now. I remember that I remember coming to this country and, and people were like hardcore here, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and now it's where we're on some some next level bullshit that every mm-hmm. single thing you're worried about what you say. And, oh, you know, well, what how people might think about stuff. you and all this stuff. And so when you say it's Marxist, it actually isn't Marxist. It's Hegel. And it comes from the Frankfurt School in uh, in Germany. Oh, I got it a drink. started in the late 1800s. Well, that's Karl Marx, though, isn't it? Salute. Well, no, no. Karl Marx took Karl uh, t- Karl Marx took Hegel's progressivism and twisted around to fit oh, communism. Okay. Oh, okay. But it, it's primarily progressivism because they're both socialists. It's like Nazi. It was the Nationalist Socialist, socialist Party. Party. Yeah. So, you know, they were... It's interesting because Hitler and Stalin were the same guys. They were both socialists. Right, right. They just wanted power. They were trying to kill each other to get power. Right, to get in charge, be in yeah. charge, yeah. So the, the political correctness came from uh, the idea that you cannot criticize the government. If you do... You will be put in jail for it. And that was the Frankfurt School of Political Correctness that came out of Frankfurt, Germany. Okay. Oh, okay. And by I the see. way, today, you know where it is? The school had to move. It moved in the 30s because it was <laughs> it was designated communist. You say you're right about that. They designated themselves as communists. So in the 30s, late 30s, they had to move because they were under a lot of pressure from Hitler. So where do you think they moved? Because they still exist today, but they, uh, moved, they move, physically they moved move to Brazil mm-hmm. with the rest uh, no. Yeah, they moved to uh, Columbia University in New York. That's where they are. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm serious. That's where they are. I mean, well, it's, when you go back and look at all this stuff, it's amazing. Well, yeah, another thing that people don't realize, the Nazi Party was a big thing here before World War II. Oh, big. Yeah, yeah they had rallies and conventions and everything. Sure. Yeah. Marches. Yeah. yeah, Madison Square Garden. Look yeah. it up. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the funny thing about history, like you're saying. So do you think, Chuck, that that's what we need to do? Like we need to go back to history or if you could, if you had like a manifesto or I don't want to I, I don't mean it at all. But if you had something that you could tell people, let's let's do this and move, start moving in the right direction. What would you tell? You know, what would you advise people to do? Something that we did up prior to me going to school and I went to school you know, a long time ago. Uh, we don't teach our children what this country was founded for and what it was founded on. And until we do, they are rudderless. They don't know whether to support it or not to support it because they don't understand conceptually the principles that it was that it was founded on. So until you do that, and I know that sounds kind of dry and everything else, but it doesn't have to be. History can be very, very interesting and, and fun to learn if it has a purpose. And the purpose is to, if you're going to love your country or hate your country, you better know what country you live in. And most people today have no clue as to what we are other than America, but they don't know what that means. Yeah, I I think I agree with that. I also find that, um, and and I think this is a weird thing, but I find lots of people in America have like a love affair with, with being ruled. 
You know, they love the Royals. You know, they're attracted by everything that they do. The media pushes it on us. Oh, look at these guys that were born, you know, the blue blooded people that we should all follow and they should be leading us. And and I think it's one of those human things that most human beings are sheep and they want to be led by someone. Oddly enough, culturally speaking, I think that's absolutely true. And the royalty in this country today resides in Hollywood. Well, they think they do anyways. Well, I think they do. <laughs> I think they just went to work for Netflix royalty. Who just went to work for Netflix? The oh, royalty. Yeah. 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 Mr. and Mrs. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah. look, they know this is where it is. Right. Like, so if you had a revolution today, you were talking about all these things. And when they have when they've had these revolutions in lots of places, from what I've seen, who are the first people they go out there and kill? Uh, the actors and the, and they, the and they the, kill the people that create media, the people the that, that write poems and stories and, and right. art and make music and the intellectuals. Yep. Yeah. But now they are those people. Uh-huh. Well, you know, maybe uh, now they are those people and they get it. And those people are trying to tell us now what, you know, what to do. And they're trying to take away our our ability to, to be free, in my opinion. You know, the thing is, you're, you're talking about what should be taught in school and everything else. Uh, history is not about dates and times. History is mostly about people and how they felt, what they thought, what motivated them. And it's it's a... It's a personal story, quite frankly. If you teach it from that level, it's it's a whole different experience. So the thing yeah. is, is that it, it has to be entertaining, and it should be entertaining. And I think that's where we miss the boat with teaching history. It's It sounds dry, and um, it actually impacts our life. It really does every day. What happened 320 years ago impacts our life 220 years ago, right. whatever many years ago it was. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean we're the same. We're the same. Today. We're the same human beings. Our code oh, yeah, is that, pretty that, simple. That stuff is all the same. The the drama and everything is all the same that it was back then. Absolutely. We just have, we just have more technology. And the drama for them back then was the same as it was years that preceded them too. Right. They, they literally went back to the 16th century to write our constitution and things like that. They took things from. They looked at everything that they could <laughs> possibly look at to define a brand new form of government that was supposed to be run by the people and it doesn't we are in a post-constitutional government right now it's a government of soft tyranny and uh, most people have no clue that that's what's happened but it really is very leveraged on john locke and the magna carta yeah go back and go back century each each one of those people that signed the constitution Mm -hmm. go back and see what happened to them yeah some of those people lost everything. Some of those people lost all their li- their lives. Some of those people lost all their possessions yeah. just because they believed in that that whole and silly they dedicated those things: their lives, their liberty, and their right. their wealth. Right, right. Yeah. And those and some of those people were not like they weren't all George Washingtons and this, that, and the other. They were just people, you know. So yeah, yeah. So, you know, now you were saying that when you were in Hollywood, you know, you really couldn't talk about this stuff. Did you? So you never spoke about it until you left Hollywood, right? No, no, didn't. Yeah. And have you gotten any pushback from people since you've left? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 um, I mean, it's virulent. It really is. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was I was reading something in the New York Times about you. Oh, yeah. oh I, I read that article, actually. I read that. <laughs> that was actually a kind article. Yeah, that was surprisingly, <laughs> surprisingly positive. Yeah, I, I, I could sense it. that that guy felt your your way. Mm-hmm. He saw your way. You know, he just it's hard for someone to admit they're wrong, too. That's the hardest thing for people to do. Well, it's hard for anybody. It's hard for me to admit that I'm wrong. I don't I don't. I mean, I'll acknowledge it if I am. 
but uh, it's still difficult for most people. You, you want to yeah. think you're right about what you're doing. And, and when someone takes you off your game and says, hey, look, you know, it's better to go over here and make this turn instead of that one. If not, you're going to end up in a maze. You'll never get out of it. Right. Uh, and you think, no, I'm, I, got this I, I, can't I can't be wrong. I can't be wrong. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it so much, does it have that much to do with right or wrong or questioning, you know, what's in front of you? thinking about it and looking at different angles. Well, now you're talking about work and it really is work. I have to admit that uh, in my later years and I'm there now, uh, although I hate to admit it, uh, my mind is not there, but my body is. And and the thing of it is, is that I finally got to work and I realized how much energy you have to expend and how much knowledge you have to acquire in order to come to a reasonable position. And most people don't have time to do that. Uh, most people don't really want to do that. They don't think it's that important. And so it's it's difficult to move that needle. It really is. And I understand that. So it has to be done. It has to be done in school. And right now, quite frankly, our schools are taken over by our government. And uh, we they decide, you know, since 1978, 79, 82, since Carter... Uh, gave us the Department of Education. Oh, Making students since 1979. Yeah. Listen, in 1979, I want to tell you something that is absolutely demonstrably demonstrably. When, when I was uh, seven years seven years old, I graduated high school in 1980. So when in 1979 we were number two in the world in education, number two. <laughs> We're now number 14 or 15. Thanks that's to the Department how, of Education. That's how good the Department of Education has been to us. Yeah. 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 So, you know what? I'd like to um, I'd like to figure out. I know you you moved from Hollywood. You went to Texas. Is that when you got into guns or were you into guns when you were in Hollywood? No, I grew up with guns. I was uh, I was shooting 22 shorts when I was uh, seven, eight years old with my dad and we hunted. And in fact, there was a there's a story. That my father was a kind of an interesting guy. He he could talk to a pig farmer or he could talk to a an elitist, whatever it was. And he seemed to be able to manage both areas pretty well in his life. And uh, we were out in the country in a 1941 Chevy. I'll never forget this. And there was a guy named Wick Boggs who we used to get our uh, hunting dogs from. He had beagles and we shot rabbits <laughs> and things like that. And I, I ate wild game probably four days a week uh, because my father was a hunter and a fisherman. So we were all talking. I'm, a, I'm this little kid. I'm probably five, six years old. And Wick Boggs is uh, one of these country guys who's great big guy with, a, you know, overalls on with one strap hanging down. And all the time he's talking, he has a single action 22 at his side. And I remember watching him do this. He would reach down and pick up a rock. And they were having this conversation with like three or four guys and my father's friends. And he'd throw it in the air and shoot it and hit it every time. It was wow. like skeet with a 22, okay, and a quarter. And he never missed. And in the midst of this, someone said, he said something that was apparently off color. And my dad was like 5'9", sturdy little guy, but 5'9". And he took Wick Boggs, threw him across the hood of our 41 Chevy and said, if you ever talk like that in front of my son again, I'll beat your brains out. Now, these were best friends. <laughs> and I was Aww. shocked. I mean, it scared the crap out of me. I'm only five or six years old. It's, I'd never seen anything like that. And I was, it just scared me. So we got in the car. And I said, what's that? He's ah, Wick Boggs. He's just, you know, I didn't want him to talk like that in front of you. And it's, it's unnecessary. I said, yeah, but how could he take a 22 rifle and shoot like these little rocks? <laughs> he said, he's been doing that since I've known him as a kid. 
So that's kind of how I grew up in a nutshell, besides I went frogging and fishing and shooting with my dad and my uncle who was in the army and ended up uh, at 16 years old, joining the Navy Reserve with my parents' permission, went to Great Lakes for boot camp. And while I was there, they had a shooting competition with 22s on a rifle range. And I don't know whether it holds up today, but I apparently had the highest score uh, in marksmanship from the four positions. And I guess I, I don't know. I still hold that. I probably don't. But I do. I did for a long time. Okay. So I've always hunted, always shot, you know. That's cool. Yeah, that's I think that's the story of a lot of people out there. Probably a very common story from uh, with people from uh, Kentucky, you said, right? Yeah, Kentucky. Yeah, northeastern yeah. Kentucky. Right. Yeah. Southern so West the- Virginia, southern Ohio, that area. Okay. When you guys get on your motorcycles, do you go back to Kentucky often? We uh, actually, Mark has been there a couple of times with a motorcycle going through. He takes long trips, like, you know, 800 miles. Uh, I don't do that so much anymore, but uh, he can tell you a little bit more than, about that than I can. Oh, okay. So do you not ride anymore? Yeah, I have a couple of motorcycles. I have uh, two BMW uh, 1200s that are uh, kind of the classic uh, roadsters uh, from BMW. They quit making it about night. Uh, 2002, something like yeah, that. But so I have that's a, uh, the straight inline engines. Uh, it's, side, side. No, they're opposing. They're opposing. Okay. Uh, it's uh, they're great motorcycles. I, I think they're. I think it's one of the prettiest motorcycles they ever made. The James Bond BMW. Yeah, the James Bond BMW. That's which one it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Very <clears> cool. Very cool. So, so now with guns, well, I've owned I, Harleys. I've owned you know I've owned everything at one time or another. Yeah, I think when you did the game shows, you. Um, you, I had a Harley. Talked, yeah, yeah, because I, I, I remember that. Yeah, I had right. a fat okay. room. Yeah. yeah, I seem to remember that in the back of my mind. The 80s is coming back, John. <laughs> <laughs> the 80s is it's all coming back. I'm so, going to go buy some stonewashed jeans. <laughs> Chuck, did you ever think that Wheel of Fortune would still be on? And uh, popular? It's like a cult following. Yeah, I did. I. Uh, it took a while to figure out why Wheel of Fortune was so successful. And nobody knew it in the beginning. Merv didn't know. Nobody knew. But uh, as you started to evaluate why why it worked so well and why people were so attracted to it, I, we finally figured out that the audience, by virtue of the way the game was set up, it wasn't intended to be this way, but it, by virtue of the way it was set up, the audience always had the answer first. <laughs> So they always felt empowered that they should be on the show because they were smarter than anybody was there. They, of course, they got to play for all three people, but they never really considered that as an advantage. And uh, that's really why Wheel of Fortune is so so good because the audience always knows the answer I, first. That's that's probably why Jeopardy's still on. To be honest with you, too. Well, Jeopardy is a different thing. Jeopardy uh, back in the old days, Jeopardy was for the intellectual. You viewed it and looked at it and went, "Oh my God, how do these people know this stuff?" Wow. It was trivia. It was it was it was intellectual. It was you had to read everything. You had to know everything. Then, and I'm probably talking about it in your lifetime when it came back on after Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy had failed, and they brought it back on NBC while I was doing Wheel of Fortune. And here's what they did: they dumbed it down. So they dumbed it down oh, to where anybody could play. Right. So not you again, anybody. The audience was empowered again by knowing right, the right, answers. Right. Where prior so to that, they, they were just didn't have a clue what was going. They, on. There's the categories you're like, oh no, I don't know that stuff. And then there's the, you know, songwriters yeah. category. Yeah. Right. So, so I, I got to tell you, it's not anyone can play Jeopardy. 
This is a true story. Chuck, you remember what, six, seven years ago, I got really sick. Yeah. I was in an emergency room with 104 degree fever. Ooh. I was delirious. <laughs> My wife is sitting next to me. We're waiting for the doctor to take me in. And, and they have a TV on. And on the TV is this, this is Jeopardy, Celebrity Week, and Wolf Blitzer was the guest. <laughs> so I'm delirious with 104 degree fever. And I'm laying on his chair sideways. And each time he answered the question, I would give the right answer and Wolf Blitzer would get it wrong. <laughs> I looked at my wife. I'm like, my God, I'm smarter than Wolf Blitzer when I'm almost dead. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, you know, Mark, I think that's probably true of a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> he never got one answer right. It was amazing. And he still isn't. No, no, he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that what you said, though, Chuck, is a key. I think into any form of entertainment, the people consuming that entertainment always want to feel smarter than than whoever's on the screen. I think it's when you look at movies and you're like, don't go in there. You're going to die. <laughs> shoot them, shoot them, shoot them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it seemed to work in game shows and things. And I, I think the most successful shows that I've done, I've done six of them, uh, were word games, lingo, Scrabble. Wheel of Fortune uh, were really, really good, good, solid games. And so word games seem to be very popular with people. And, mm -hmm. you know. So what do you think about the game shows, the, the way it is now currently? Because I think it's even more dumbed down. And then also, I think, it, didn't they bring back Love Connection? Uh, they did. They did bring it back. I remember I was at the gym at uh, Gold's Gym in Venice Beach, and uh, a gay guy came up to me and he said, hey, why don't they do a gay uh, love connection? <laughs> and I said, well, that wouldn't really be for me. And maybe maybe you would like to try to do that. <laughs> so, so now they went ahead and they have done it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, everybody's got a different idea. So how do you, I mean, would you, would you get back into doing uh, game shows or do you think that because of your political views, uh, they'll never yeah. come seeking you to do that kind no, of stuff again? No, I don't, I don't think that they'll ever seek me out to do it. Well, they've got my age too. I mean, I'm 77 years old. They're going to look at me and say, well, what if it's a hit? <laughs> You'll be yeah. dead. Yeah. I mean, for, you know, for 77, man, you're pretty witty. Still got all his teeth too. Look at that. <laughs> Well, I played an old man for a lot. My first job, my first job in Hollywood was uh, uh, Mr. Dingle on the New Zoo Review. And Mr. Dingle was like 117. She so was just like John Dingle. I'm well, kind of like John Dingle, right? So I started off playing an old man, and I hopefully I'm a little younger now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so never you you don't think you'll ever go back to that even. It's not even a matter of going back to it. I don't think that, uh, I mean, for the last 15 years, nobody's knocked on my door and asked me to do a, a game show, no matter how successful my past has been. I mean, if I, I let me put uh, my career, let me put my career in perspective because it's it's important to know in a, in a way. Maybe it's just important to me, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. I did Love Connection for seven years as number one show on NBC. Then the next show I started was Love Connection. Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune. Uh, what did I say? Yeah, I'm at the Wheel yeah. of Fortune. So I did that for seven years, number one show on NBC. Then six months later, I picked up Love Connection, which was not a game show. It was a talk show about one subject, but you all know what that was. And that lasted 12 years. Six months into Love Connection, NBC contacted me and said, we have this game called Scrabble, and a guy from Australia that wants to do that, do you want to do it? And so I said, sure. 
So I picked up Scrabble. I did Scrabble for another seven years on NBC. At the same time? At the same time I was doing wow. Love Connection. So Love Connection lasted 12 years. Uh, Wheel of Fortune Scrabble last, lasted 14 years. And then I moved on to, what was the next one? The next one was... Uh, Homeland Family? No, Dating Game. Dating Game was the next, next one? was Dating Game. And Sony asked me if I would do Dating Game. And I remember going through the conversation. They were having a lot of problems with it because they were revealing things. that They changed the game up. And I said, you go back to the original game and I'll do it. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't fix it. I did that for five years in syndication. I did it longer than anybody had ever done at that point. And I was like the 15th host. <laughs> you know, you I, know what? You're, you're like a white Steve Harvey. Yeah, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> well, I know Steve, so I think he might take you know a little issue with you on that. But anyway, uh, I did that. Well, maybe and then, Steve Harvey's really Black Chuck. Yeah, that could be true. Yeah. We're going to change that. We're going to start calling him Black Chuck from now. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, then, go ahead and do that. <laughs> then after doing uh, Love Connection, uh, they came at me with uh, Greed on Fox, which is a nighttime show. That only lasted two seasons, but it was number about number three overall. And I have no idea why they canceled it. Dick Clark produced that. Uh, that was a probably the best design game show I've ever done, which was Greed. That was an hour show. We gave away $2 million. Uh, then uh, Game Show Network approached me and said, look, we have this little game called Lingo, and nobody wants to do it because they think it's a piece of crap. <laughs> so you want to go... <laughs> It's true. They said nobody wants to do this, and and we're going to give you two shows from the seventies that you can that we'd like to re up, or you can do this game show called Lingo, which nobody knows anything about. And so I looked at it, uh, did Lingo, went over to to uh, Holland, and shot the first thirteen. Came back, it was number one with a bullet on Game Show Network. It never stopped, and I did that for seven years, wow. and that was my last, you know, big show. So but now, Lingo was kind of interesting because all you know anybody from seven to eighteen knew who I was. So here I am. I'm in my sixties, running around Walmart, and all these little kids are going, "Hey, aren't you that guy who does Lingo?" Yeah, lingo <laughs> Wait a minute, what's wrong with this yeah. picture? So, so it seems. Are you, are you are you kind of like uh, that the uh, Hasselhoff? So when you go over over like if you go to Europe and stuff like that, go, there he is, there he is. Yeah, right. No, I'm nothing like David Hasselhoff. Oh, okay. I'm really good looking. Well, <laughs> I mean, just notoriety from the shows and stuff. Well, okay. Remember, Chuck, I happen to be the number one death metal player in Sweden. <laughs> I, mean, I kind of got that David Hasselhoff yeah. Go thing try going. to check that out he's to got, see if he's right. <laughs> he's got that German thing going, but I do have the death metal player, number one death metal guy. I, just, I don't know you about, can research that and find out if that's true or not. Yeah, exactly. I know he is. Babyface, look it up. I don't know about Hasselhoff, but you do look like Harvey Keitel a little bit, Mark, I would say. <laughs> you know, I, I get Harvey Keitel going. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get that every now and then? I do. There's a few of them I get, but Harvey Keitel is is one of them. In fact, I had a client recently told me that that I was the guy off of Reservoir Dogs, not Reservoir Dogs, the uh, the the part in uh, what's the one that uh, Travolta did in uh, Oh, the one oh, on your own. No, you know the one I'm talking about. The one before uh, before Get Shorty, the one that brought Travolta back. Yes, um, Babyface P. Come Sorry, on, Babyface. What, what are you doing? Okay. 
That's it. I'm Where's trying to get like, my hungry fiance I need, food. I need a shock collar for Babyface B. <laughs> Good lord! I'm mean, poor woman is hungry. It's a Quentin Tarantino movie. That's why I've Pulp fiction. Pulp fiction. Pulp fiction. It's coming up. It's coming up the in the people, chat. The people in the chat are faster. Hey, hey, Mark, Mark, was it Pulp Fiction? It was Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I got to. I'm going to tell you. Before this show started, folks, I want to tell you we were sold a bill of goods on Babyface <laughs> that has not manifested itself. On this program, yeah. I can see this audience is out there going, "What the hell are they talking about?" <laughs> yeah, no, we've got we right now live in the chat. We got about two hundred people talking, yeah. asking oh, questions. Hey, hit the like likes button, people. Come on, hit the likes button. Yeah. So it's it seems to me, Chuck, like you're all game showed out at this point. But the yeah. the thing well, that I was not, gonna, but they are. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing I was going to say to you, you know, we were talking about YouTube and and uh, you know political parties and and. Uh, uh, entertainment and all of that. I've, you know, I think that we need to do our own stuff. And what I mean by we is people that think the way that we do, we need to take ownership of this instead of letting Hollywood and, um, you know, the uh, mainstream news media dictate to us and our children and our grandchildren and so on. What's real. We need to take some kind of ownership. What do you think about that? I know you're right. And it's, uh, it's like, um, it's like Christian programming. Uh, for years, Christian programming kept saying, you know, we need to do something and we need to get our message off. And, and they did. And they did such a poor job normally doing it. Uh, Hollywood did a much better job with Mel Gibson and people like that doing much better movies. Uh, Turner Network, of all places, did the Old Testament. And it's brilliant. Most people don't even know that exists. But uh, he did like, you know, several people, Moses and different people, uh, and, and they're absolutely brilliantly done. The problem is it seems like you can never get enough conservatives on the same page to really go after this in a coherent way with the kind of talent you need in order to produce those kinds of movies, those kinds of television shows, the things that are really entertaining. entertaining. The left actually owns that. And they, I think that they probably always will. And I think it's great that we think about it. But quite frankly, there's an artistic bent. And I have no idea why. I don't know what the reason is. Maybe Mark can elaborate on this uh, because he's much smarter than I am about these things. But liberal minds seem to be able to grasp entertainment better than conservative minds can. And I'm not sure why. Uh, but they just seem to be able to do it, and they do a much better job. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, it's a better job. Well, one, they live in a fantasy world. Well, I was going to say they they have a better grasp of fantasy. Of, of, um, maybe. Of, but there really is a reason for this, and, and Chuck is correct. And, and uh, some really great research was done using functional MRI machines. And they took people who were, were confessed liberals, people who were confessed conservatives, put them into a functional MRI machine, and then they would show them images on a TV screen. And what they saw was that, and these were the same images, when they showed these images to a liberal, the parts of the brain that is, is associated with art, with art and artistry and emotion lights up. When you show the same images to conservative, the parts of the brain that light up are the parts involved with uh, rational thought and Reasoning. mathematics. So liberals actually are wired different. And 
they are wired, as Chuck's just saying, they are wired as emotional people and they are and many of them wired as artists. So Chuck is correct when he says that they have a they have a better handle on the arts because it's how they're wired. A we have better, a better handle on math. A better acceptance of fantasy. Well, I think I think that's true in, in probably a lot of cl- cases, but obviously in the case of Chuck and lots of other people out there that are creative and also think the way that we do, it's there. One of the things I think that gets in the way is that a lot of times, um, you know, in our realm, the people that have the money to do this, I think the problem is that they also want to uh, get in on the creative control instead of giving the leeway to the people who, who understand oh, but that these happens things. in every business. It happens in yeah. Mark's business. He's in advertising yeah. and, and yeah. you always have the client saying, well, this is how I see it and this is how I want to do it. And they ask you to become up with creative and then they want to create themselves. And it's usually not as good. That happens in movies. It happens in everything. Um, it's it's just it's the nature of the business. If you if you're giving the money, then you want to say and how to do it. And uh, okay, people who yeah. don't have track records should just stay off the track. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think so. I think get so that's, what happened, that's what happened to Bruce Jenner then. <laughs> what happened to Bruce Jenner? <laughs> you're talking about a, you're talking about one of my off best, the track. <laughs> you're talking about one of my best ex friends. You know uh, that. Oh, uh, uh, oh, he went to the so, dark side. Huh? Bruce Jenner was, Bruce and Chris were two of my closest friends in Hollywood. And you did a lot of stuff with him. I've seen you. Oh, I saw that it. picture on, I saw a picture on, uh, um, of you and, and the one, uh, the one uh, female athlete and him standing, and you were talking to him at some event or something. No, I've known Bruce forever. We used to ride motorcycles together. We played golf together. We uh, hung out at each other's houses. I've known you taught his him children. how to ski, didn't you? Taught him how to ski. I've known I've known Bruce and the family since uh, the girls were small, since uh, Kim oh. and all of her sisters were. So what switched the switch? Something switched the switch. You know, it's very funny because uh, we were also really good friends with uh, Ray Leonard. And uh, Ray and Bernadette were close with us as well. And we all three kind of hung out as couples. And uh, I called Ray, oh, I don't know, it's been, been a few years ago. And uh, we don't talk all the time much anymore since I moved away. But uh, I called him and I said, you know, what, what, what's really going on with Bruce? This is before Bruce really came out. <clears throat> and I said, what the heck's happened with Bruce? He said, man, I don't know. I'm, you know, I, I'm just, I'm staying away from that. And I said, are you kidding? You guys aren't even aren't seeing each other? He said, no, no, it's, I don't, I don't want to go there. So he was kind of noncommittal, but it was, you would think, this is the thing that surprised me until I heard one of his ex-wives say it. Bruce was a master chameleon. Uh, you would think that all of the time we spent together, there would be some hint, some something that you would kind of go, that's eh, just not right. Something's wrong here. I never saw it. The only time I saw it was I was in Park City, and he asked me to teach him how to ski because he didn't ski. And we're up on the hill, and he was going with Kristen. It was before he married her. And I looked at him, and I said, <clears throat> what have you done to your face? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you're prettier than my wife. What, what, you, what have you done to your face? This is part said, of Chuck's political oh. correctness that he always couches things in the softest of terms. Yeah. yeah. And so anyway, I was doing it as a joke, you know, and he said, oh, Chris wanted me to get my face done and stuff. It's, so he kind of laid it off on her. And nobody ever said anything about it anymore, but he had definitely started to look at that point a little more feminine and I mean, Bruce was an incredibly masculine looking guy. And yeah, I mean, this this, well. this was a this was a uh, you know, Bruce Jenner 
was a real life American Superman. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Let me tell you something. We started skiing in the morning and I, t- I kept telling him, I said, why don't you get a pro to take you out? I mean, I'm an okay skier and stuff like that, but I, I'm not that. You're a good skier. So I said, why don't you get a pro? He said, no, I want you to teach me. So I, I spent the morning going through turns and things and he caught on really quick. And by the afternoon in Park City, uh, there was a, uh, a GS course, a giant slalom course that was set up and you could pay to go through it and it would time you at the end. But it was all rutted out. So there are big ruts after people have used it a long time around, around the uh, poles that come up that, uh, when you turn back and forth. And there's a certain way that you use these ruts. When, they, when they're there, you can compress the ski and then pop out of that rut. But it, it really takes an incredible amount of coordination and ability to be able to do that and to do it properly. By the third run, he owned it. And that was in a day. Yeah. He, he is an amazing athlete. I've seen him do things like that with mountain bikes and stuff like that. that just yeah. blew your mind. And he was not a kid at the time either. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that deserved to be on a Wheaties box along with a lot of mm-hmm. other people that, that accomplished that. So when, so when the whole, when everything hit and the whole transition went through and all that, did you guys talk? You no, know, what did you- I haven't talked to him since I haven't, not because I haven't talked to him. We, we really kind of got out of touch, uh, you know, I guess when I moved to Park City, I, I literally moved there then. And we kind of got out of touch with each other and our families had moved on. They were doing the show that nobody kind of understood. And and so he moved on with his life and I'd moved on with mine. And so we, we really didn't stay in touch much after that. Now, if you remember, Chuck, I told you about 10 or 12 years ago that something was seriously wrong with Bruce. Yeah, well, I didn't um, see it. And yeah, I mean, I have a, I have Ray Leonard didn't see it either, and Bernadette, as far I as was, she didn't see I it. I was, I was at a convention that Bruce was at. He was at the same place I was at, and I was talking to him and somebody that's with him. And he looks at his friend and looks at me. And goes, "I'll be back in a minute. I've got to go powder my nose." Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Remember, I called you, and I'm like, "What's up with Bruce Jenner? Oh, he doesn't on, have man. to go powder my nose." Yeah. Well, as long as he didn't try to powder your nose. Like it <laughs> yeah. he, did, he did not try to powder my nose. But <laughs> yeah. So here's, that, that was a tip-off. <laughs> you know, and, and here's one of the, I mean, and I'm just formulating this on the fly, but I think people, I've seen people mention this before as well. Do you think that it had something to do with the Kardashians, like some kind of uh, competitiveness, jealousy with the Kardashians, and then maybe a lack of manhood in his life, Chuck, when you, when knowing, you left his life? Knowing Chris no. as well as I know her, she could turn anybody into a transvestite. <laughs> she, was, she was one tough cookie, boy. I, under, I, under a facade of being very feminine. But uh, I hate to say it; it's part of their being. Yeah, I, you know, I don't. There's know. something, something switches. Everybody, something. I guess, everybody in the world, including me and everything else, have certain demons in your life that you have to deal with and and get along with. And I guess it's best to understand them. And that's just beyond me, though. So I, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I'm glad I don't have to handle it because I don't want to. Well, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and he, and he was, and you know. Where where is he with like being? Is he a conservative or Republican? Because I know very he was very Republican. I, I never knew Bruce to yes. be real conservative, but he was very Republican. And he always had been. I think he's. I believe he still is very Republican. <laughs> he is. Well, he is, but he's down. He's not down with Trump because of the transgender thing. So, yeah. you know, he's. Well, he's as you said, he's Republican. <clears throat> <laughs> that middle of the road. Boom. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I know there's a lots of, we're like a gun show. Should we do some gun stuff? I don't know if you sure. probably don't have any guns at hand. Actually, I'll tell you the guns that I have. I'm not nearly as fully loaded as Mark is and fully loaded as you guys are. Uh, I have shotguns because I hunt. I used to hunt. I don't really hunt that much anymore. Got a couple of deer rifles. I have, uh, I have uh, a couple of Glocks that I really like a lot. Oh, nice, I have nice. one revolver who that you guys probably don't even know about. I have a Chiapa Rhino. Oh, I do. Oh, we know. Yeah. A lot. We you got a Chiapa oh, Rhino? Do you have? Walter's, Walter's got one sitting around. Somewhere. No, I, I don't have one, but I no. I, I know of them. So test oh, me. Listen, I tell you what, it's the coolest gun. It'll shoot a thirty-eight uh, mag or a thirty-eight regular. It it literally has no kick at all. It's just amazing. It is. You stay on target, shot after shot. The only problem is it's heavy. Yeah, that's yeah. But it's, um, a, it's a great gun. Yeah, and the Chiapo Rhino is a very, like, sci-fi kind of gun. We've seen it in a lot right. of movies and yeah. stuff like that. So, a but once I shot one, gun. I had to have it. It was just that good. There, um, um, yeah. there was a question from chat asking, what prompted you to make the AR-15 video that you put out? Right. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> Mark prompted me to do the AR-15. Mark is Did my... He? He is and my, is that your gun? That's actually mine. That was Mark's it, okay. gun. That's my living room. That's Mark's gun. <laughs> I have yeah. see the the point is I don't really need one because I have friends that have ten or fifteen of them. <laughs> so, and I'm serious. I have a doctor right. friend here in Horseshoe Bay that literally owns fifteen AR. You know, in one configuration or another. Right. And so I just said, you know, send me one doctor. And then you do. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, what's your EDC? I saw lots of people asking yeah, in I the mean, chat. I mean, they wanted to know that, yeah. what you carry every day. Mark carries, uh, uh, I, I can tell you what Mark carries. Mark carries everything every day. Uh, <laughs> a backpack of guns. No, no, He's I, like a Ted Nugent. <laughs> well, Mark, it's like I a... accessorize uh, with guns, honestly. It's, it's an accessory for him. It's like cufflinks with most guys. He, he has you know, different guns for different days. I actually, no, honestly, I switch guns based on what I'm wearing today. Yeah. Okay, there's, so no, if, there's nothing wrong with that. I yeah, carry so, a baby yeah. Glock. And that's what I carry. I'll carry a Glock with with a paddle holster if I'm wearing a suit. If I'm wearing, you know, if I'm wearing a T-shirt, I'll carry my 38, like I've got 38 bodyguard, or I'll carry. And I really like the uh, the Ruger LCP. Okay, I've got a couple of those. That's a really nice pocket gun. Yep, yep. And uh, yeah. got a lot of Glocks too. Yeah, I love the baby Glock because number one, it's very accurate. It's very light. It uh, doesn't have uh, – I carry an extra mag with me because I need it. But, uh, you know, I haven't got that many shots. I think it's nine, something like yeah. that. So I speaking have, of Glocks, since we're talking about Glocks, I don't know if you guys – I'm going to step back a little bit here to the wall. Do you guys notice <laughs> that I'm modeling a – We saw the shoulder holster. Right there. Um, this actually is a Glock. It's a – this is the Monarch shoulder holster from uh, from Andrew's Custom Leather right there. And there's a Glock, Glock 17. For you, so you guys are you guys are both Glock fans, right? I got the old Glock nineteen too. Yeah. Okay. So which one do you prefer? And I bought that, by the way, in L.A. (laughs) Really? (laughs) That must have been a job to get that. (laughs) Actually, you know, it wasn't. It was. uh, It's got to be what twenty five years ago when I bought that. Uh And uh, I went into the store and walked out with it. Wow. It, yeah. uh, from what I understand, it's very different today. It's tough. Oh, it's yeah. <laughs> LA is yeah. very different today than it was back then, and it was. What do you, uh, Chuck? What do you? What do you? You think um, California is going to revolt? You the know, pe- the people in California are, are putting up. Uh, it's it's it's. It kind of reminds me of Europe. They're starting yeah. to. They're starting to. Well up, you know, like yeah. Brexit. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're going to get a, uh, how do we say it, Caxit? Well, there's Texas, there's Brexit. Yeah, they actually call it Calexit, I believe is what they're actually calling it. Yeah. I don't know. I I just don't know. Boy, it's been it's been dominated, although they've had governors. I mean, people don't remember when when Reagan was a governor, he was a Republican governor in a Democrat state. And he wasn't really that great of a governor. He became a great president. But as a governor, he was kind of okay. Then you had Arnold Schwarzenegger, which was a European Republican, if there's such a thing. <laughs> uh, so, and you had Duke Majin and people like that. But quite frankly, from the ground up, Los Angeles and San Francisco, not so much San Diego back then, but probably more now. Orange County was one of those little places that was off by itself that was Republican. There just isn't much left. Uh, the Democrats own all of those offices from mayor to district attorney to on up through senator congressman it, it's just it's going to be awfully tough they yeah, live that way forever and it just gets worse and worse and worse i was, I was leaving and i'm not sure people just leave instead of change right i yeah. saw something about their elect their electoral process there about the primaries and this and that and the other where you can where, where you don't have primary. you don't end up with a democrat or republican you end up with two democrats in the primary so yeah they call it a jungle primary, and what they do is uh, everybody comes in and votes. So if you're a Democrat, you can vote for a Republican. If you're a Republican, you can vote for and a if Democrat. if you're a Mexican, you can vote for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Ten times if you want to. <clears throat> it's the silliest thing in the world. But That anyway. was racist that you said Mexicans can vote more than one. Well, the people from Michigan and, and, and all those northern states do it here. So, I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. Walter, you, if you don't want to offend, you just say the dead. Because, you know, the dead can now go vote. The dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, they've now yeah. passed this thing in Ohio where they, gotta, they can clean out the rolls if you haven't voted in the number of years and uh, the left is going insane over that oh well yeah how do you how do you have a county with 120 percent registered voters <laughs> yeah, right. I, think that, I think that makes you a corpsist yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly That's what, i was thinking what is that what is that called you know and i've seen you talk about this chuck that there's kind of like this huge spread you know you've got the very wealthy that can stay in places like california and new right. york connecticut mm-hmm. those people could stay there the people kind of in the middle if you can, if you could find a job or something else somewhere else, or if you take if you take the risk and leave where you at, you know, Lola and I, we were in New York and we moved to New Jersey, which is worse. And then we moved to Florida and it was a huge risk that we took. And then you have there's like a, a huge group of people predominantly economically challenged that just can't you. get out of these places. Yeah, let, me, just let, trapped. let me tell you what this is all about. <clears throat> have you got liquor handy? <laughs> uh, uh, is, is this a two-fister market? You have to take a drink after this. <laughs> yeah. So here we go. The progressives' ideology leads to this. They will claim that they love the middle class and they want to help the middle class and they want to, you know, they want to get rid of the middle class because that's where their power is. Mm-hmm. Without the middle class, right. they need elites on top and they need people who depend on them on the bottom. The The middle class is their problem. So that's what you're seeing in California. They're basically just cleaning out the middle class. And and I think that's happening. Yeah. Lots of places. Texas is taking in a ton of previous Californians. Well, the interesting thing about that is it's really funny because uh, I'm, I'm an exception to that rule, but almost everywhere that people come from the Northeast and go to Florida, they bring, they're escaping liberal politics and, and they, they bring, bring it with them. them. <laughs> you say, yeah. 
you know, they do it to North Carolina, South Carolina, all along the coast. And, uh, that happens on a bigger scale. You get people. I'm an immigrant, but you get people who immigrate to America because they were born in a country that's pretty terrible. Might be a beautiful place, but it's terrible. So lots of people around the world leave the places where they were born, where they grew up and all that kind of stuff. They come to America because of all the freedom and I guess the like milk and honey flowing in the streams and the trees. You know, you could pick money off the trees. They come to America and then they want to turn America into that place that they have. It's to odd, isn't it? Yeah, isn't yeah it, it doesn't make any sense. You know, the most conservative, two most conservative people I knew in Hollywood, and I won't mention names because if I do, you'd know the companies and because they're big international companies. One of them was Russia. Uh, he was a Russian, lived across the street from me. And uh, he was very, very wealthy, did real, real well. And he was extremely conservative. And he used to tell me all the time, he said, what's wrong with these people? I lived in Russia. I know what it's like. And here we are. You guys are doing things just like we did them. It's insane what's going on. This was back in the 90s. So my other friend was in the clothing business. And I won't mention the name of the clothing business, but uh, he was from France. And he said, my God, I was there. I couldn't do business in France anymore. So I moved to America where I could actually do business. And it was great. Now they're strangling us to death. Why do you people do this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about it. Why are all the actors in Hollywood now British? Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, the Texas, Russian guy that Texas. Chuck's talking about there, by the way, is not the Russian oligarch that is paying us on a regular no, no. basis. Yeah. Yeah. Just, oh, oh, we're yeah. now, we've been accused of being paid by a Russian oligarch to save us. <laughs> yeah. he, was, he was a former cab driver who did very well. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, I, when I lived in California, there was an interesting thing that happened. Uh, I had uh, washers and dryers like everybody else does. They would break down on occasion and they have to get a guy to come in and fix them. Every single guy who came to fix my washer and there'd be a different one every time was Russian. They were all Russian. And I want to get into conversations with them and talk to them about the old country and all this kind of stuff. Everyone was a was a Ph.D. Every uh -huh. single one had his Ph.D. in some kind of uh, electrical engineering or right. it was just amazing. I said, what yeah. in the world? You can't get a job. He said, no, 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 I can't get a job yet. I will eventually. But right now I'm fixing washers and dryers yeah. and driving cabs. How yeah, much you have people to call and have your washer and dryer yeah. fixed? I mean, yeah. I, I was going to say, I thought like if, if, if I was you, Chuck Woolery, yeah. and my washing machine didn't work, yeah. I would just go to the Wheel of Fortune and just take one <laughs> yeah, right. from over there and put it in my pickup truck and drive it home. Absolutely. Get it right to the apartment. <laughs> From the yeah. Spiegel catalog, Chicago. Yeah. I wouldn't fix anything. I'm like, oh, this is, you Listen, know, I, I grew up, like, I grew up with, wheel a little I, bit. I grew up with parents who lived through the Depression. So, I mean, yeah. I couldn't keep lights on in my house. I, no. I had to go around, turn all the lights off and turn the fan off and do all this. Oh, it was just insane. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I don't mind. You know, it's just my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, well, it's, it's, and, and I'm here as, as his actual timekeeper. I actually just work to keep the timeline in order. We're actually like the white male diamond in silk. I'll take the silk part. You can be the diamond. That's yeah, I right. Gonna, I was going to say, but I'm not. See, I, I don't know which one is diamond and which one is silk. <laughs> I don't know I which one I'll is be silk. diamond and silk. Uh, I'm going to yeah. get D ghetto carded or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I know who get, I know who done it. If I'm right, I think silk is one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Uh -huh. yeah. Uh -huh. That was my job. Oh, you know. 
Oh, girl. Uh-huh. So, Marcus, you're Ed McMahon, basically. Yeah. So that's uh, okay. Very cool. All right. Did we we didn't give Mark a chance to talk about his guns. We did get we did get Chuck to talk about his guns. Mark, what? Yeah. Let, me turn, let me turn my camera and my mic off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, I grew up in Detroit, so as a child, I oh. carried a gun just to survive going to Seven Eleven to get a Slurpee. Mm-hmm. That was just a requirement, just to survive. So, I mean, it, it, guns are just something that uh, guns are tools. That's the thing that never makes any sense to me. You know, I, I, I became a cop when I was a young guy, so I've always wore a gun, and it's. It's a, it's you grab your keys and your cell phone and your gun and whatever you're doing and you get dressed in the morning and you you leave the house, and uh, my guns have never gone out and committed any any atrocities or crimes of mm. that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I, I tell people that all the time. These these are just pieces of metal. They can be dangerous and they can be incredibly inert. So there you go, Walter. What are you what are you uh, teasing us with there? I had to get a luger. Oh, the oh, wow. You're a Nazi. This Welcome. one was rusty, seriously rusty, and then wrapped with uh, uh, electrical tape for the handles when I got it. Yeah. So, in, yeah. in other words, uh, in its original state, it was worth a lot of money, and you completely screwed um, it. It's, yeah. a, <laughs> it's a 1918 Luger, so yes, it could have came back yeah. with some some fellow from the First World War. Who knows? But um, yeah. I think it but, looked, it might have lived underneath somebody's house for a while in Detroit. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, Mark, people always, for some crazy reason, people always say that Walter's a Nazi. There's nothing <laughs> new. It's weird. It's like, and Walter and I, we've been friends for a while now. And like, yeah, that guy, yeah, that guy <laughs> is a Nazi. And my thing is like, I don't know if it's in the Nazi manifesto. Okay. Okay. <laughs> for see the, see for the, me see and Walter the, to be dealing with each other. Are you history buffs? Does that look familiar? Yeah, San Francisco. Oh. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> Hotel San Francisco. <laughs> hey, I didn't think of that one. That's good. Uh, yeah. Um, my logo for my company kind of looks like the Africa Corps logo, minus the minus yeah. the ancient Indian uh, symbol on it. Yes. Yeah. Well, you're for in the gun business, right? Yes, correct. Yes. As a gun dealer or as a gun I, manufacturer? I'm a manufacturer, yes. Yes. What do you make? Uh, we make um, our primary thing is 50 caliber uppers for AR lowers, 50 BMG. So you can convert an AR-15 into a 50 caliber rifle. Oh, I need one of those. Oh, you need a couple of them. That's got to put you Uh, on your butt. (laughs) It's really not bad. What Um, kind of recoil does that sucker have? Um, it's got it's got manly like recoil. Well, then shoot it. Let's see you. Just shoot it there in your studio. (laughs) Oh yeah, okay, sure. He 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 shoots them in his uh he shoots them in the workshop. But we can arrange we can arrange for you to shoot some of these guns. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you're where where in Florida are you at? Where where in Florida are you located? I'm in a Tampa Bay area so am i and are you also in tampa well, i'm just outside of gainesville but we can, we can absolutely yeah we can absolutely arrange something oh, uh, yeah. oh yeah you know for you guys always in the right spot i'm in texas it'd take me you know a day and a half well even longer than that because i have a wagon and a couple of oxen <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, we got this thing called ups nowadays you know what i'm saying yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or after you pay your amish tax yeah. you know. right. well, walter if you're in tampa i've got a uh, i've got a, a home on clearwater beach well, I'm actually in, I live in Safety Harbor. Okay, so. you know right where you're at. Yeah. Um, I think I, I sense a love connection. 
better you than me. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the last. Fire some 50 caliber AR-15s. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we can make this happen. We can make this happen. Plus, we take big shotguns and make them the little shotguns. And yeah. we do a bunch of different stocks for, like, PDW-style stocks for AR-15, SIG, cool. CZs, uh, and MP5. So, yeah. yeah stuff like also, that. also um, Walter has a couple of machine guns. I have a couple. Yeah, because I'm, yeah. I'm a man. I'm a class two manufacturer, so I can have I can make all that stuff, suppressors, machine guns, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So here, you know what? I mean, we're getting to the point where I'm going to start to wrap up. But I have one last question for, for Mark and Chuck that yes, I, I don't think I can leave without asking you guys. How the hairy heck did you two guys wind up meeting? I'll let Mark tell you that story. <clears throat> well, it was. Um, I had a client that came to me and we were debating the client wanted to hire. I'm in the ad business and the client wanted to hire a celebrity. And the client came to me and said, let's get Regis Philbin. Regis. Regis Philbin. And, and I looked at him like, you know, I, I get it. I get the whole Regis Philbin thing and he's a nice guy, but Regis has a lot of people who actually don't like him. I said, let's get somebody that people don't not like. Let's get somebody that, that everybody likes. Well, who would that be? It's I'm going to recommend this guy, Chuck Woolery. And I didn't know him at the time, but, you know, we're in the business. And so anyways, the client agreed and Chuck flew to Detroit to uh, to shoot a video, to shoot some commercials. We were walking through the Renaissance Hotel and we'd picked him up with my wife's car. And on the back of my wife's car was the Christian fish symbol. And Chuck, okay. and Chuck gets in the car and he goes, you know, I know what that symbol is. And I'm like, oh, do you? Do you really know what this symbol means? And Chuck looks at me and he goes, yeah, I know. I know exactly what that symbol means. And that symbol means, you know, that you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ who died for our sins. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I think I said it's an ichthus. <laughs> you did say it was an ichthus. Yes, you did. And um, one thing turned to another, and I remember we're walking through the Rensen, and you and you we so we just known each other, and you looked over and you put your arm on my shoulder, and you said to me, and I don't know if you remember this, and you said to me, "I've been asking God to give me a Christian man to work with, and He has a real sense of humor because He sent me to Detroit." <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. Uh, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Boy, That's how it goes. Boy, is he ever? Yeah, absolutely. So and we've been just, together now. Just went we've downhill from as, there. We've been together as friends and kind of co-conspirators and uh, working partners for what twenty years now? Oh, Something more than twenty now. Yeah. yeah, plus twenty plus years. Yeah, yeah. I think you guys make a great team. You guys make a great team. I'm going to tell you something. I, I know this guy, and I love this guy. You see us kidding around, but he's an amazing person, and he's he has wisdom beyond beyond comprehension of what people think. And he is the most honest human being that I have probably ever known in my life. Chuck is not capable of lying. Which means I'm the first guy off Survivor <laughs> Island. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Usually people don't like you when you're like that, Chuck. I, I know. No, I, I, I run into that problem all the time. And there are times when Chuck has told the truth and I've gotten him to the side and I'm like, you know, it's just a little more honesty than we needed to <laughs> That does sound very much like me. Yeah, that, that's, that's what Lola tells me all the time. She's yep. like, you need to shut up sometimes. <laughs> and that's when I give yeah. him this face and I always go, really? 
I don't. Yeah, you don't know. I, I don't think you know any other way to be right, Chuck. Yeah, I. I <sighs> I have to be careful because he's right. It, it, there is a brutality to honesty sometimes, and you need to be sensitive of other people that you're just not, you don't want to be in their face with it. So wow. I've kind of learned to moderate my my honesty and or what at least, you know, of course people say, well, what's honesty to you? It may not be honesty to me. Uh, but it's 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 kind of a careful, fine line you have to walk sometimes when right, you yeah, be honest. I, I think it, other people just need to be men and women and learn how to yeah, deal with yeah, that shit. I know. And and yeah. the problem the problem is when you're really an honest person, you're always disappointed in somebody else because most people aren't. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so you yeah. kind of set yourself up to get your feelings hurt quite a bit, and uh, you know that happens on occasion. But I'm I'm big boy now. Get over it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Very you're, cool. you're an incredibly honest guy, and you view the world in a way where you expect other people to do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, Mark is Mark is kind of one of these guys who I, I've never met anyone in my life, which is kind of what draws draws us in as friends. He is the most optimistic person I've ever known in my life. I mean, he is just, he can find optimism in a, you know, a train crash. It's just amazing. <laughs> I mean, look at it this way. The train really didn't, you know, you really, and uh, it's refreshing. It really is. And uh, yeah. so we, now we have, uh, we have different, we have different, uh, uh, what I want to say, uh, different gifts, I guess, more than anything else. We have different gifts as different people, and yet they seem to mesh together very well. And we've had a long and strong friendship, and we're very close friends. We're really Marcus' that's, my closest friend. That's what kind of makes friends sometimes. You mm-hmm. work off each other, right? Or or you have things that draw you together, or you know. And we help each other. I mean, we really right. do. We we really have been great help to each other in our lives, and uh, and that's really priceless when you come to a friendship and you can help each other. Yeah, a wise man uh, once told me that a true friend, a true friend, the way you could be honest and all that kind of stuff, the way that I see that you guys are is worth his weight in gold. So I think that's pretty awesome. Okay, We have a different term for it real quick. I'm going to give you this. We refer to it as dead hooker friends. (laughs) (laughs) I knew he was going to go there. (laughs) Are you you guys familiar with dead hooker Uh, friends? Tell us, tell us. I've got a couple. Okay, here's what a dead hooker friend is. You guys may be dead hooker friends. I don't know about Babyface. I'm not sure. He's yeah. questionable at this point. <laughs> He's fallen down. He's fallen down today. <laughs> okay. Dead hooker friend is, who is the guy in your life that you can call at 3 o'clock in the morning tonight? And you can dial up the phone and you can say, um, uh, hey, I've got a dead hooker in my trunk. Can you meet me over and give me a hand? And you want the person that says, where are you at? <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Not That's why do you have a dead hooker in your garage or in your trunk? <sighs> and just where are you? Yeah. This story Absolutely. just killed everything. That guy that knows when you die, he knows to go and clear your browsing history, yeah. right? I am not confirming or denying that Chuck has ever had dead hookers in his trunk. Well, I'll confirm <laughs> that I never have. <laughs> the, problem, the problem is Hank would call me up at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, hey, I need you to come bury a body, and then stand around and chat while I'm digging the grave <laughs> yeah, for yeah, him. Yeah. 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 Entertainment. This is what That's entertainment right. is for. <laughs> have a video going, hey, guys, we're out digging the grave right now. Thanks a lot, Mark. But, this but, is really devolved. <laughs> yeah. But think and, uh, about this, guys. One well, second, we're thing. talking about Christians, and next thing we're burying bodies, <laughs> How do we make this giant leap? The dead hooker thing's a joke, but here's what I want you to think of. As we have expanded our use of technology and our use of social media, 
more and more people, and especially men, uh, have lost the ability to have true friendships. Yes. And to have male bonding and to have really close male relationships of iron that sharpens iron. Right. Mm-hmm. And think about, I got to tell you, think you guys, you guys probably have friends like this, but think about the men you know in your life right now who don't have that kind of friendship. Lots of people out there, man. That's why we people feel lonely. That's and why that's there's tragic. such an imposing loneliness yeah. on people. Yeah. I, yeah. I have a couple people that I know that are, they have no male friends in their lives and they flounder. I feel like they don't, yeah. uh, there's yeah. something to having other men of, of good moral stature that uh, just helps you become a better person. And it takes the gun away from you when you're going to go shoot the bouncer. <laughs> like, I, like, or, like, I did, like I did for a friend. Yeah. Let me have that. I, you, you you're not doing anything. Give me that gun. You're not going to go yeah. shoot anybody. Get that, that wasn't me, by the way. That wasn't. No, me. It was, this was years ago. Yeah. This is way yeah. before you. Yeah. 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 And no. by the way, I think I just realized something. Um, are you also, are you, you're a Pisces, right, Chuck? Uh, yes, I am. There you go. I don't know if you believe in astrology or anything like that. I happen to be, I happen to be a Pisces. Boom. Oh yeah. Well, we get along great. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, you two. you're the only kind of people I get along with. Um. Yeah, you too, Walter. You're a Pisces. <laughs> Walter and I have been friends for a long time. Walter, you're a Pisces. Yes, sir. Really? I never you know, it's that. funny because uh, the girl that I'm I'm with and will be with the rest of my life, uh, who is truly, I found the really the love of my life. Uh, I didn't know it. She happens to be a Pisces as well. So we're the same kind of fish, and we are. We literally think alike. We uh, we have so much in common, and so. Uh, you know, people who are uncommon may attract each other, but people who are common love each other. Yeah. Now, we, we don't want to leave anyone out. Babyface, oh. what, what the heck are you? Uh, see, it's, no. if this makes more sense, I'm an Aquarius, so I got the water hey. for the fish. Okay, there you go. Yeah. You're an Aquarius like Lola. That's why me and you That's get right. along. And what are you, Mark? I was thinking about just wiping all of this out and maybe <laughs> just joining Xenu, the space alien. <laughs> okay, so Mark is a Scientologist. Are we having a Nancy Reagan moment here or yeah. something? We're gonna call the, so, yeah. Yeah, I don't follow it. Yes, yeah, so I can see the, the, the headquarters from my condo. Yeah. Um, oh, geez. I've actually been up there. My dad is a Scientologist. No kidding. Is that right? Yeah, uh, I can yeah. see the place from my condo. It's it's same way as, as being able to see Russia from your kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> same mentality. Yeah, but anyways, um, I would be an Aries for whatever that means. I close. Know, That's never a, really I don't know any of this stuff. But yeah. <laughs> how, have yeah. we, how have we devolved into this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> kind of deciding done. we all like each other because we are some astrological <laughs> science. <It's> insane. <laughs> I'm suspecting that Dion Warwick's going to log in here in any moment. <laughs> really. <laughs> By the way, I've been in John's closet. I, have, I really have been in her closet. I knew her really well. And she, oh, had, yeah? she didn't have a closet. She had a room. Dion oh. Warwick has, had a room with a uh, with a giant, one of these things like a dry cleaner. That, oh, you know, that's a button. And the oh, thing goes, yeah. yeah, the entire room was filled with her clothes on this, <laughs> this conveyor belt that went around the room. It was impressive. 
I'd like yeah. to get that for handguns. Yeah. <laughs> I need that for Absolutely. rifles too. Yeah, that'd be that's, awesome. That's so awesome. Listen, I you know because you guys have been with us for more than two hours, but I mean, I I, I really enjoyed you guys coming on, uh, both Mark and Chuck. I mean, this is Thank like you. we've enjoyed it this, too. Yeah. yeah, this has been really awesome. You guys should come back. You should. I, I hope that you'll come back after this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I was telling Lola, like, do they know whose show they're coming on? Do they think they're maybe going on Coleon? noir or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know that's what's impressive. going on there. nobody usually oh, we're not afraid of anything second time yeah. that's that's you well, guys are tough you, you go and call you on your what 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 astrological sign are you son <laughs> 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 like, what? he would probably say i'm a gun i'm a gun but but listen i, I do i do want to wrap it up because we've taken a lot of time from these guys so what i'm going to do is uh i mean everyone knows about me and babyface and walter so uh mark and chuck uh tell us what people can do to support you um i'm i'm really like re-energized to find out that you guys are doing this because uh, i feel a little bit less lonely out here in the world so oh, how can we well, support appreciate you that we appreciate you we really do uh you can find me on chuck woolery on twitter uh mark is uh mark young on twitter i think mark right? young truth mark young that's truth. funny you mentioned that my son who's 25 didn't know you from your game show experience chuck uh-huh as soon as he mentioned chuck woolery on twitter boom he knew you were really well yeah he knew it's like oh wow okay well you know, yeah. Chuck is pretty big on Twitter, and you know, totally nuts. He could, he could be, he could be the next president. Yeah, you know? right. I don't want to be president. He's a little bit, he's a little bit younger. He's a little bit younger. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. And if so you want to do our show, by the way, bluntforcetruth.com, where you can find the podcast, the radio minutes, and our news uh, feed also. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Please, guys, go out and support these guys in, uh, in what they're doing. They're great guys to come on here. We would love to have you guys back on and do more stuff with you. I want to I thank everyone out there in the, uh, in the chats. What's that, Walter? What's I got to do one last thing. Tyvin's been texting me to tell Chuck, he, Tyvin Show, he's like your biggest fan, he says. I'm the <laughs> biggest fan. Yeah. Nice. Check out the Tyvin Show on YouTube. He does gaming stuff. <laughs> you got to um, plug him. Yeah, you're laughing like this is a joke. What is no, it's not. No, it's not. It's not a joke. He's not. He's imagine Tyvin being so giddy that he's like, "Oh my God, it's Chuck Wolf." You got. You got to tell him. You got to tell him. Yeah. Can you say Chuck? I've got it locked on you. Can you say hi to the Tyvin show? Hi to the Tyvin show. We'll be back in two and two. There you go. There you go. Awesome. Awesome. So, thank you guys very much. Did Mark or Chuck? Did you guys want to say anything before I end the broadcast here on my end? Goodbye. It's really nice to meet you. Get <laughs> <laughs> the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, now we have new friends in yeah. Florida and other places. So yeah. thanks for Absolutely. having us on. We Absolutely. We'll be happy to be back and we'll reach out to you and have you guys as guests on Blunt Force Truth yeah. sometime. Yeah. Absolutely. We would love to do it. We would love to do Okay. You guys stay right there. You guys don't do anything. I'm going to end the broadcast. Thanks to everyone in the chat. Thanks to everyone that shared this on social media and all that kind of stuff. We really appreciate it. Uh, awesome. So peace. We'll see you guys next time.